0: The Koi Gig part on off the ball.
1: I don't like it. I want to be up there in group A. I don't care who we get. We should be up there, competed against them. But you know, as you said, we're going to win that group and then get promoted. Hopefully, subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.
2: You're very welcome along. It is Monday morning. We are definitely bright eyed and bushy tailed after that weekend. Shane is here. Morning, how are things? Column is here. Oh, yeah. It's got a great movie recommendation for the weekend called Big Night.
3: Uh, it came out in 1996. Stanley Tucci. Based in the 1950s, about an Italian restaurant in New York. Exceptional. Total cult hit. 97% Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And at that time, it was a do it yourself attitude in Hollywood if you weren't making it. So you were the lads behind Goodwill Hunting, the lads behind Swingers. And then Stanley Tucci was like, I'm not getting any roles that I want here, so I'm going to do my own thing. So he co-wrote and co-directed the film. Okay, good. Very Big good. night.
2: Big night. Are you in a Stanley Tucci uh, obsession at the moment? Mm. No, why, why, why? Who else? Why, why seen? Just curious. You, you, he's, your, he's your current spirit animal, is he? Oh, no, no. I just got this recommendation out of the blue. Right. I think he's coming to Dublin for the Dalky Book Festival. There's something... he's he? He's in the ether yeah. at the moment, isn't he? Yeah,
4: yeah. Tom Hanks is coming over as well. God, he was striking
3: back
2: Tom then. Tom Hanks is coming to the Dalky oh, Book yeah, Festival. Yeah.
4: Wow, McWilliams.
3: That's yeah, not that's bad. So much, uh, actually, I was thinking of you when I saw that news. Shane. Oh, I was absolutely buzzing. But, um, Are you going
2: to... I'm going to try my best to get there. 100%. Hang on, hang on. Have you totally missed that? Hannon was in the in the green room at the late late.
4: Oh,
3: I was we set it up
2: on Friday
4: morning. Was drinking
3: let's, my. Let's yeah. review
2: it on Monday morning. Drinking my Seven Up on uh, yeah Friday evening. The younger sister
4: was performing on the late late on Friday night, so I was nervous sitting in the crowd. Uh, into the green room afterwards for a couple of.
2: All the talented Hannon's and Shane.
4: That's it. Very good. Very good. Got a couple of comments like that on Twitter as well. Hey. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The uh, women, Irish women's team from 1973 were there as well in the green room, chilling out, relaxing. Uh, Philly McMahon was in the green room as well. They had oh that. yeah. They're recording a piece for next week's show. Um, but yeah, very proud big brother after uh, Rachel Mayhannon, Spotify. What Listen to her song right now, The Boys. Just, there's the plug. And how did it go? It was really good. Yeah. It went really, really well. Uh, my sister's boyfriend, my other sister's boyfriend is on the in the band as well, Joycey, David Joyce, so it's uh, as a guitarist. So real family affair, Jared has to be said in the in the Late, Late Show. Threw in the CV, of course. That was the joke that everyone was wanting to yeah. pass across. Very good. But uh, the who's job he, that no one wants. Who's getting that job? Ah. we know no
2: one Paddy, knows Paddy Keelty according to the front of the papers today uh, and all weekend would you do it no you're joking me Is it, Like, would you like every week for somebody to uh, pour open your eyeballs and slit it with a, a razor blade <laughs> that doesn't sound too fun I mean yeah, you, I don't know you, if you'd have the temperament for it can you can everybody uh, can you I don't know can you like you can never go on social media again you can never go on the streets again Mm. No, I just don't think you'd enjoy it. Oh, I definitely. I wouldn't. think week four you'd be doing your but kind of you,
3: exasperated exhale.
2: You're asking, yeah. you would you would one do it as a no? To... I was asking you personally. All right, yeah. Are you are you going to be my agent? I mean, for the money, you do it, right? You'd have to say yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about your life? What about the sacrifice? Um, well, I mean, you don't have to do anything else, do you? Anyway, we've loads, loads coming up. Too much. Yeah. Um, right. Performance rankings are imminent. Daniel Harris going to join us at Man United. Yeah. Man United. What is going on?
3: I too though. Oh. As well.
2: Alan Quinlan at uh, twenty past eight. It is three out of four in the URC. We're going to win the World Cup, basically, right? That's that's yep. what's going to happen here. Uh, Sports news at eight forty-five. Sarah Donovan talking hurling at eight fifty. Anthony Moyles at ten past nine, and uh, some of the best from the Sunday pay per view. It was Conor McKeown and Gavin Cooney in with Joe. But uh, at seven thirty-four, we might as well get straight into it. OTBAM with Gillette Labs. Get the Ultimate Shape or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, time for the Gillette Lads performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. <laughs> Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe
5: not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head our performances.
6: We've just lacked that intensity.
4: Boom. Starting in the red, lads, the usual. Uh, the, I don't know about you, but the Sunday 7pm kickoffs threw me off kilter a little bit last they night. Absolutely hated it. I only realised it Last uh, Thursday In the office
3: Yeah And it was a total Instinctive reaction In the office I just let out A few expletives <laughs> I just couldn't believe it Because that is A key time for the three of us Like we're planning The show at that time And then this thing happens And you were telling me You were saying last night Oh it's because of the bank holiday But sure like It's bank holiday You can do it at any time well, There was no 2 o'clock game yesterday Why was something happening In the UK the weekend? Why was there no 2 o'clock game
2: uh, but then, and then made no?
3: Newcastle-Irstal the half-four one. No, there was only two games yesterday. One a half-four, one at seven. Yeah, there was not. But okay. so BT got the game last night, so maybe I, it was something to do with that.
2: I think it wasn't it to do with the fact that Sky got extra games. On the, so the Saturday half-twelve game didn't happen because of the coronation. The three o'clock windows were shown on telly for the first time. Yeah, that was bizarre I think maybe to quell all the, you know, everybody's been drinking from 7am to celebrate the, the king. They needed right something they to should. do. To um, distract them. So the games today: three o'clock Fulham Leicester, half five Brighton versus Everton, mm-hmm. and eight o'clock Forest versus Southampton. And Brighton and Hove Albion now, they don't quite have it in their hands, but uh, Champions League Qualification is right there for them.
4: Is it? Yeah. I mean, Europa, I think is where they'll end up, but they'll be happy enough with that.
2: Well, they're uh, if they win their three games in hand on Liverpool, they'd be ahead of them. Right. They have two games in hand on Manchester United. Mm. He, would, he wouldn't rule it out And they've got to yet. make up Eight points A Manchester United are In full swoon That's why they're in the red here That's what we're starting with Capitulation mode I, I, don't,
4: know, I don't know I don't know where I wanted to start But I guess we have to start With David De Gea £375,000 starting a week £19,500,000 a year This man makes On wages alone uh, And currently
2: His contract negotiations Are up for renewal June is when his contract uh, Is up If this is spot the ball Where's the ball at the moment In the photograph That we have, we're have? we showing Probably right under Nestling in their bottom Right hand corner yeah. As you look at Does it Does anybody notice? Pretty similar photo to last week, Cater Navis. Oh yeah,
3: looking back in the shorts, looking back in his. Well, you it's you a can see site, the actually. Yeah, mm. great sight. Uh, do you like
4: the pun? No, I missed it. On the hair out, on the way out. Oh no, that's that's atrocious. On the hair out.
2: Good well, being. you know, still he
3: uh, has the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. Y- y- well, according uh, to he's uh, a great goalkeeper.
2: It's Exactly what Eric Ten Hag wants. If so you're listening like to Ten Hag, keep last getting night, told by loads of people.
3: <laughs> I have. Um, he's not leaving the club, by the way. I have live score notifications on for these games, and I forgot to turn it off watching the game because it's no good because you're on a stream. So it's kind I'm watching on a stream, so it's like uh, five seconds behind. It's legal, but it's just streamed like now. And uh, I could hear that "Mm -mm, mm -mm," vibration, which means, oh, that's a goal. And I could see Ben Rama with the ball, and I was like, but he's not going to score from here. Like, that must be a notification for a match report that's Mm -hmm. in previously. And when I left his boot, my first reaction was, oh, no. Because I immediately felt sorry for De Gea. Because he's, like, he's just going to get it all over. yeah, All over. And I, I imagine, I haven't even looked at our live comments, but I can imagine he's all had De Gea stuff outside of the stuff that we'll get in the GAA uh, in a while. But I just felt, I felt terribly sorry for him. And I know you can't have too much sympathy for multi-millionaires. And no, certainly the guy's can't. had plenty of chances. He's been there at the club for now. Is it 12 years this summer he'll be there? He's had no real competition for his place. So just a bit of complacency seeps in. The middle of the last decade he was by far Manchester United's best player in a crisis period for the club but now
2: he's kind of been exposed for his inability to to play. Were they just unlucky as well? Like they hit the post twice they created a few chances couldn't hit the
3: the target. Yeah I mean out of all the shots they had they'd on target but Bruno Fernandes nearly scored and Anthony shaved the post basically the same post bottom left corner in the first half and they were were definitely the better team. Had to hit the target. Marcus Rashford hit the outside of the post and they played really well and West Ham were hanging on so the Benrahma goal came in an hour. But look, as I had to Hayes his mistake, United had plenty of time to close him down. So Shaw, Luke Shaw shoulders Mikel Antonio out of the play, which is actually quite impressive strength. But from there, ben Rama picks the ball up. And then everyone just stands off him, yeah, particularly team. Victor Lindelof, just stands off and just keeps him backtracking, backtracking. And there's no need to backtrack that far out from your own goal. You're about you're 45 to 50 yards out. Like just, You can close him down. The worst case scenario is that you'll foul him in the middle of the pitch and he probably won't get booked.
4: And to be honest, I think West Ham should have
3: had a penalty as well. The Lindelof handball oh, it was, for me—it was, it was so a gone. penalty. Oh, all, it was a penalty like, all day long. And oh, right. Jermaine right. Genis and commentary was uh, no—I don't think it is. I don't and know what I he think, was talking. No, about. I think he was like, oh, "I've said it now. I have to stay with it. Yeah. I can't change." It my was mind. a penalty all day long. Like. It was—he pretty much caught the ball.
2: I mean, he totally moves around to yeah. get his hand in the way of the yeah. ball. Oh, oh, it
3: was—it was a penalty all over, and uh, in many ways, I was kind of hoping. It was a penalty, and that West Ham went two 0 up at the break just to see what United's reaction would be like in the second half. Might have been better. if Yeah, it was might 2-0. have been a little bit better. But they look. They again, they were actually quite decent in the second half. And we've heard recently, Eric Ten coming out afterwards. Were they? I don't. At uh, this rating, his players. I thought they were okay, but but the worrying factor is the fact. You know, this is two one 1-0 defeats in a row. They keep fading against away. Against sides though. really, regardless of Brighton's form this season, they should be beating Brighton. Brighton, and they definitely should have the upper hand in West Ham I don't know I, and I, then throwing away a 2-0 lead at Spurs as well like it's low key being a very very poor run for Manchester United recently yeah. probably going under the radar a bit because they're not as interesting as they were because they're out of contention on both ends of the table so
2: but we're, they're in we're the red this they deserve to then. be in the red but
3: uh, at least on the WSL side they're flying it they're still top of the league Chelsea have a couple of games at hand they hammered yeah. Everton last night Courtney Brazin and goal being nice to beat Spurs 3-0 yesterday it was a first half hammering particularly and then this Sunday coming, they're in their first ever major final, the FA Cup final, against Chelsea. We'll have more on that with Daniel Harris. But not an all-round terrible day for the club, but on the men's side, yeah, atrocious. And five horse to
2: 10, sorry, but that's, that's finished. The, the, sub- the Valk thing s- gone. The subs bench is Martial, Sabitzer, Sancho, Dallo and Fred. And it cost a lot of money, but mm. it's really useless. It's pretty useless. You ain't changing the game with those lads coming off the bench uh, in the last half an hour of a match to try and...
4: Oh, man, Marcy. his
2: work rate is is pitiful they have so much work to do in the transfer window so it'll be very interesting to see if um, Tan Hag is given any opportunity to do that or if it's going to be a period of nothing happening for a while because what happens if they don't qualify for the Champions League is the club suddenly worth less money I mean probably yeah demonstrably you would suspect it would be and that would be an opportunity for somebody to try and uh, Jimmy the price down so uh, quite a lot riding on the next few weeks for Manchester United Gary never made the point afterwards that it wasn't the worst thing that they lost again because it uh,
3: makes Ten Hag's summer job easier again to uh, clarify and
4: decide who he wants in and who he wants out the one positive thing for United fans listening is that the, their away form has been absolutely atrocious they only have one away game left yeah. it's against Bournemouth I'll be at Old Trafford next weekend for the Wolves game which all of a sudden it's become um, an absolute must win. I think Wolves are safe now having beaten Villa at the weekend. Well, so. that's it too. So Wolves mightn't have, have much to play for. Um, well, we might get to this with Daniel too, but why
2: was Aaron Wan-Bissaka not a concussion sub? I don't understand how like, they're fixing his head. They're like, oh, he must have passed all his concussion tests because that's how it works. He got absolutely clattered Yeah, I actually missed the incident. I just by that stage back. It is, it's horrible. On the it's horrible. Suchek's
3: well. on the ground. Suchek th- isn't, isn't great either. So Suchek continues playing. At least United took him off. But they took him off tactically. They made that clear because you can have a concussion substitute. It's a separate sub. And they, just took, they took him off because oh, we need Diogo de on for an extra energy. <clears throat> but it's unbelievable. Like, like oh, he, may, he may not be concussed. Mm. But jeez, that had all the makings of it. If, the, if you had seen a concussion best bits on YouTube, that collision would be included. Oh, yeah. He absolutely nails him. And like it's not too dissim- dissimilar to the horrible Gary Cahill, Ryan Mason incident that ended Mason's career six years ago. It was certainly. awful. He got away with it, like, and uh, who knows? He like we don't know if he is concussed or not. But it was just striking, and it's like that's football's attitude towards it. And even on commentary, it's a bit blase. It's a bit. Oh, I thought he would have been taken off there for concussion, and he wasn't. And they continue. Football has a
4: huge problem with it. Yeah, yeah. it It's concerning. All right. Yeah. Move on to uh, to Ulster rugby, which uh, I mean, Dan McFarland. I don't know what you say about Dan McFarland at this stage. Fifteen ten defeat at home to Connacht with a home semi final as the carrot on the end of the stick, and they just couldn't get it done. And you, you look at the last number of years that Dan McFarlane has been in charge at Ulster, and you're thinking, right, so they haven't won a trophy since 2006, and that was the benchmark for the last uh, couple of years for the club. It was it 2018 he took over. Um, and just a performance. Disjointed, I think, was a word that a lot of pundits have been using since uh, that performance at the Kingspan Stadium on Friday night. And uh, this came the, the day after they announced 10 of their current squad are, are heading off at the end of the season so there was a little bit of emotion after the match saying he oh, couldn't even play for those lads um, and Connacht were just more clinical I think Dan McFarlane said after the match it would have been a daylight robbery if Ulster had got over the line at the end and, and managed to squeeze out a victory um, so it, was, it wasn't just the result but the performance and uh, very very
2: disappointing for Ulster I think and everyone concerned I think more damning even than all of that is like um, Stephen Ferris on Twitter the next day basically saying that like is there more to come around player unrest is McFarland's time done and then there was another question and they were all rhetorical and then somebody was like well you answer them and he was like "Uh, yes there's more to come maybe McFarland's time is done and then he was yes to something else as well but any Friend this is really interesting Any Friend met Dan McFarland for coffee in the morning of the game Mm. and uh, McFarland is like oh you were jumping on the bandwagon there saying, this is a free shot for you. And your friend's like, yes, I was. But it's not a free shot, but I was absolutely doing it because that's how this thing works. And it just seemed like they, they have genuine respect for each other. And I don't know. We've had Andy Friend on the show a couple of times. He came to a live show we did in Galway, and he's a really, really impressive character. So he's asking for people to have um, a little bit of sympathy with McFarland, saying he's a really good coach. And he might be a brilliant coach. It might just not have worked out for him at Ulster. Like, there's definitely a need for something different. Um, and, and I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as their 10 isn't good enough for this level because their backline is brilliant. But maybe there's also that the coaching ticket has gone stale or something up there. I don't know. It seemed to be one of the other suggestions coming from um, uh, Ferris and his co- comments was that it might not just be Dan McFarland. It could be other coaches who are causing the issues. Having said all that, right, like the players who they're losing... There's none of them that you're thinking, okay? they really need them for next season. You know, those 10 players who are Mm. going, um, like, they're all replaceable. And that's the, you know, uh, that's how professional sport works. You do your time, you do your contract, you move on. But none of them are going to be missed to the point where you're thinking, oh, they're really screwed now. They've lost uh, a real superstar player. There are loads of 10s knocking around Irish rugby at the moment. They need a better 10 than the one they have. Is it worth their while taking a risk on or trying to get somebody to come and play for them.
4: Yeah, and a super 10 and Jack Cardy kicking all the points for Connacht against them.
2: Um, Will they resurrect Joey Carberry? Maybe, you know. Wouldn't really it Having said that, right, if I'm in Joey Carberry's situation, I'm not sure I want to go to Ulster, which looks like, you know, we're back to the basket case scenario again. Now, Andy Friend's point is that... uh, The disappointing thing with this game, if we lose, everyone's going to expect us to lose. If you blokes lose, the game, you've had a bad season and you haven't had a bad season. That's Andy Friend's assessment of Ulster's season. I think um, the rest of us are going to make our own minds up and it feels a little bit like it's been a bad season for Ulster because remember the travel issues and they got hammered to nil in the European Cup? It's like that doesn't speak to a team who are able to deal with whatever's coming their way.
4: Well, he was McFarland said it was high up on his all-time greatest disappointments. Friday night, uh, um, as manager of Ulster, certainly. But the, the question is, is, have Ulster progressed whatsoever? Like, they lost in the last sixteen of the Champions Cup, albeit to Leinster. Um, now they're twelve or thirteen points, I think, better off than they were in New as compared to last year. But you still wonder if it's if it's progression because then you see loads of players. Well, Jeff Tamarg Allen is one of the players leaving, and he's been fairly crucial to Ulster this season. So there are there are a couple of players in that list of ten that you think, well, why are they leaving? Well, They're very impressive on paper, but their
3: inability to deal with pressure um, repeats itself all season long. Like they mm-hmm. finished five places and eighteen points ahead of Connacht. They've already beaten them twice this season, and then it's uh, it's a woeful display. Like outside of the try, kind of kind it's of it's kicking themselves to victory too. Like it wasn't even like they were particularly outstanding yeah. either.
4: It was, and it was, a lot of those penalties that Cardi kicked were mistakes, stupid mistakes by Ulster. One was a Marty Murn knock-on later on. Like it's just like these are little tiny errors that Ulster could easily stamp out but have been peppered in their performances of late. So, yeah, from Dan McFarlane's perspective, you'd be you'd be seriously concerned. But, um, yeah, Andy Friend's tenure rolls on. At least oh. one more day.
2: All right, uh, on to Amber.
4: On to Amber, bit of the Gaelic Games. Um,
2: we have a clip here. We have a clip first. If you have to line that up, yeah. It's the Wexford manager, is it, Colin, What's the clip? No, it's Tom Dempsey who's yeah, speaking Dempsey, after sorry, the, yeah. the Wexford game. Uh, Wexford hammered... Not hammered, sorry. Uh, Wexford hammered about 600 wides. Uh, In the game against Dublin, you could hear the seagulls echoing around. I think 9,000 people in Croke Park for Dublin beating Wexford in the hurling, but uh, he was at pains to point out that Hurling is missing a massive opportunity to promote the game at the moment.
6: My issue with GA Go is that last year, probably one of the best sporting occasions we saw on television was the Munster final. It had controversy, it had, uh, you know, probably Tony Kelly standing over a sideline ball, the most dramatic sporting moment of the year. You had two counties that absolutely, and I never used the word hate in GA, but absolutely don't like each other or dislike each other. You had every element. And then you had 50,000 people thrown into uh, Thurlis. So we put that on television last year. We had a repeat of that this year with 30,000 people, with the stakes even higher. And we have a product... You know hurling, which I think is one of the greatest products, sporting products in the world. We need to promote that. We didn't show that to the uh, paying or to the public, to, to the to the to the GA public, and I just think that is absolutely crazy. It's horrendous marketing.
2: So that was uh, oh, was that on Saturday, Saturday yeah. evening, Saturday five o'clock throwing. Yes, yeah, so that was on Saturday, and then obviously uh, Don Kusick said something fairly similar. Um, on the Sunday game last night, basically accusing RTE and the GEA of uh, using hurling to try and get GEA go up and running. Exploiting it was the word, yeah. Explo- exploiting was uh, the word that Don Donalogue used on uh, the Sunday game last night. Um, this is uh, obviously you know, Michael Verney in, in, on the Saturday panel with John Duggan on Saturday, and then again in the papers today. In fairness, he, he obviously had written his column before... Um, they went on oh, I don't have it why don't I have, have do it there yeah. you go yeah he was making the point that uh, the RT pundits have been curiously silent on this um, pundits are paid to call it as it is but there's a serious lack of dissenting voices from those working for the national broadcaster who know that what what's going on is clearly wrong so in fairness to Don Logue he came out last night on RT and um, said this is wrong that uh, he said he sat with the uh, head of sport in that studio and said why don't we change the logo to a little rugby ball up in the top right hand corner so I'd say Declan McBennett was delighted to have been um, name checked but not name checked by Don Log in the middle of the Sunday game last night uh, does he have a point? Yeah
3: massively I don't agree with the rugby part I think um, Jackie's response was good as actually to Don Log, which was um, totally understanding that rugby's getting as much exposure as it is we're world class at rugby so we should be showing it but there should have been a prediction of the best fixtures heading into this weekend and it's criminal that Cork tip Saturday evening wasn't on TV. Unbelievable. Like it's another classic monster hurling game that goes by. And Clare, this mythical team this year, if you're only getting your GAA on national television... Three of their four games are on GA Go. Okay, I on. completely agree with GA Go Just, as a concept. It's brilliant.
2: But there was, you, yesterday you, you afternoon was a
3: total waste of time. Okay, you, can't, you can't you agree with it as
2: a concept and then say they have to handicap themselves I agree with ev-
3: absolutely everything about it other than the choices of the matches this but weekend.
2: Then no That's one's going to subscribe. But and you
3: then could, then absolutely then it, could
2: subscribe. Well, no one's going to subscribe to watch the Sligo and Clare matches. They're just not. That's not going to take the if number. If you over. work
4: for Diego, you're you're putting those games behind the paywall. It's great for Diego,
2: but exactly. A lot can of I, people don't have it. Can I? But but they have the option to have it. Like they it's do. a it's a very easy thing to to do. It's a very easy thing to get your hands on. It's a really simple and reasonable value. You would have to say uh, mechanism. I I think that uh, there's a, there's a fair point to be made about the promotion of the sport of hurling and. This is just the latest in a long line. They there's a lot of lip service paid to the growth of hurling and some of that is actually on hurling people and their own insularity and they haven't demanded changes and they uh, they didn't allow Galway uh, play underage hurling in Leinster for 10 years basically took for that to happen. So, you know, they're not uh, they're absolutely not without blame in this. It's true. If if you look at um what was the what was the League of Ireland's LOI TV mm-hmm. remember RT made a big song and dance about oh, we're we're involved in this and then the figures weren't great and then essentially they were like this is not for us we we don't want to be involved in this yeah now I'm not going to say GA go was ever in any danger of having uh, difficulties but they can't RT certainly can't afford to waste any more taxpayers money because they're wasting enough taxpayers money at the moment it's been a really badly run organisation for the best part of two decades and they can't even find a presenter for their main flagship show at the moment. Can they afford to preside over another loss making venture? Like, you know, which is, which really we didn't need because Sky were performing the service for the public already. Um, and so they're absolutely desperate to make it work. And the only way to make it work is to be fairly nakedly commercial about it. And I think that's the problem that GEA people feel like we are being taken here by the national broadcaster who we already pay 165 euro to. For our license fee, and now they're profiting off us again. I think that's the I, like. I, I do wonder, like, why why are RT involved in this? Why why are why is the national broadcaster spending taxpayers' money on a, a venture like this when it was already up? I it just that that bit doesn't make any sense to me, right? Um, but if you're going to do it, then you have to make it work. How are you going to make it work? You're going to put games that everybody doesn't want to see behind it. What's the point of that?
3: Well, so, if you yeah. were deciding the schedule so you're involved in both right so you have your foot in RT another foot in GA GO and it's Friday morning and it's your decision do you put Cork and Tip on TV or GA GO
2: can I can I ask is, is there somebody else involved in that conversation uh, shouldn't there be isn't this actually a three-way conversation where the GA are saying that like the GA who obviously own 50% of GA GO or whatever the the balance is I don't think that's ever it's a joint venture do we know though, what the exact ownership is I'm not sure But let's assume it's 50-50. Isn't it somebody's job in the GA to say, well, actually, that's going to be three of Clare's Munster Hurling Championship games behind a paywall. And they were pretty good last season and they reached the uh, Munster final. And actually, maybe, you know, the way they play, they've got Tony Kelly, one of the game's most marketable stars, who, as Tom Dempsey rightly pointed out, was involved in one of the most exciting moments in Irish sport last season. Maybe we could, like, put him on free-to-air terrestrial TV and maybe... So it's that bit where they're, the the GEA have decided that they don't want to promote the sport of hurling as much as the hurling people think it should be, and you'd have to say hurling people on this point right. There are right. There are commercial considerations as well. But course, if I'm RTE, if I'm saying give me the money, show me the money. Yeah, show me the money. And if you're paying for ad
4: for ad time and ad space in in those. Uh, you know, at halftime of those two provincial finals yesterday, you're thinking, Jesus, we would have had so many more eyeballs if the yeah, but uh, like was the pol- what well, that's the same. Like the problem is, like the
3: Munster hurling championship is being sacrificed. It's like okay, we'll use that as uh, an advert and a promotion to get GA go, which is fine. But the other issue was is like, so we're in Dublin, and you go outside here to the office, or you go around the place. A lot of people are from obviously this area or thereabouts, or maybe Connacht or Ulster. A lot of people don't actually care that much about the Munster hurling championship. They're like, oh, that's fair enough, it's good behind GA Go. So you're actually still only getting minority, very loud minority voices like Michael Verney and Don Log coming out and complaining about it. But it resonates to me in WhatsApp groups that I'm in that there was still a bit of apathy towards the fact that Cork and Tip was on GA Go and not on national television. People were quite happy to sit through two processions yesterday I'm sorry, in can the I just, Munster uh, football look, final.
4: So football is just far more popular. The general sentiment of Don Log's comments I agree with, but some of the things some of the things you are saying I don't agree with Like, I, I, I don't think everything's a conspiracy I don't think, not, he, he's never saying it's a conspiracy no no I'm not saying that but I'm saying this idea that RT and the GA would be exploiting hurling and they don't want to promote hurling I actually don't agree with that I don't, I don't think but oh, they're but clearly they are they're exploiting clearly exploiting. Well, maybe exploiting it. sorry exploiting it, but I don't, I don't think they're purposely sitting down in meetings and going we don't want the
2: game of hurling to grow but so let's their, put it, those games off air that's not their job their job is not to grow hurling it's the GA's job to grow hurling that. Yeah, of course, but but the point was made on television last night that that
4: obviously the considerations behind choosing which games go on TV leads to promotion yeah, or otherwise. That's of the true. Game. Yeah, it's true, but I mean there are plenty of ways to promote the game for Ireland and and and
2: and showing c- their best players, best matches up against each other.
4: Yeah, is, for sure, the, is The easiest, uh, quickest. And then way Then Donalgs make the point that you know the, his, you know his nephew or whatever could name all the Liverpool team and maybe can't name the hurling players,
2: but. <laughs> That's, yeah, the other thing's different I mean I, I do think the whole thing about uh, the, like Liverpool play most of their games behind a paywall like the vast majority of the games yeah. are behind a paywall um, apart from a few Champions League appearances if they're in the Champions yeah, League Yeah but that's
3: because there's no equivalent of national TV exposure to Liverpool unless Champions League look totally that, thin- So you have to you've no choice but there's two choices here that's the problem How many more subscribers did GAO go get by putting Cork and Tip on it? Vast majority of people who get it get it at the start of the year seventy nine euro pay up front. so they have no idea what matches are going to be shown.
4: Well, I made this point in Friday morning show. It, it was heightened this weekend because resources by the OT were put into the coronation of uh, a king on a foreign land. What what was that about? Which doesn't make sense to me. What
2: whatsoever. was that about? It was already wall to wall and a lot of I, other channels. I, and what I guarantee, the hell? I
4: guarantee, a lot of people
2: watch this. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that a lot of people watch this. That, that, that's BBC. like oh it is. no, no big audiences. For shite doesn't justify shite. Yeah, that is that is one of the most. Your side is subjective. Oh, well, no, it's not. It, it's not like they they uh, okay. they show Coronation Street and they show all this other stuff and they spend money on it. And they're like oh, we make money on that. We make money. It's great and loads of people watch it. It's like they could also watch it on ITV or on BBC. Do something. Be creative. Spend money on Irish stuff. Invest in in Irish uh, production companies they don't do it they take the easy route and it's like yeah we're going to show the coronation uh, look, uh, and we're going to show the funeral and we're going to send our, our team over For it makes no sense No, it makes absolutely no sense it's lazy and it's bullshit I, I'm not judging any Irish people who want
4: to watch the coronation I am a little bit by the way but having said that you, like, go and watch on the BBC. Go and watch... And people, I heard the argument made to me at the weekend... Go and watch on the BBC. Well, it, 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 every country in the world is showing it. Yes, well, our relationship with, with Britain, it turns out, is a little bit more complicated than most other countries. And also this argument that it's historically important to show it. Get on well, YouTube. Get on YouTube, or else... like It's not as historically important as the Queen's funeral, say, for example. This is a coronation. This is a political event, in my, in my view. Who of cares? monarchy. Who cares? It's a different part of the day. So it, it if doesn't you doesn't matter. Four hours you're worth
2: You're comparing of it to this.
3: And resources. It's not a decision between both. Like No, but it's resources. Like, they're it's pumping resource. resources. You still get resources to show Cork Tip. Yeah, I mean, you still will, like.
2: Yeah, the, but it's they... It's a different
3: argument. They could have put those resources into Cork Tip. That's right. my point. It's not the same people. No, no, but...
2: It, it, there's so it budgeting might, concerns it may there well. So. Be the, it may well be the same outside broadcast uh, trucks.
3: But anyway... No, uh, we're all uh, we're basically all in agreement. Yeah, yeah. The exception we well,
2: the carnation We were putting the... Monster and Connacht final in Amber. Yeah, I was putting it in an Amber in the style of the mosquito and Jurassic Park because that's about as relevant as they are these days. These games are busted flushes. We should not be subjected to the procession and coronation of the uh, it's monster. It's, uh, and see just, what we did there. I, just can't, I can't. I can't even muster it up anymore. It's like uh, sorry, the games themselves
4: as well. And, and I watched them, um, like two twenty to twelve points in favor of Galway against Ligo. It's hard to analyze these games because you don't know where. Uh, Galway exactly right, but but it was a it was a solid performance, I suppose. The Shen Walsh was the talking point out of that match, um,
2: and he probably wasn't. Even then, f- it wasn't. He but was because turned out he was ill. All yeah, weeks. Uh, yeah. No, it really wasn't. You it know, was, so was not that And uh, look, obviously, uh, we send our condolences to yeah. the Clifford family, of course, on the the passing of their mum. Um, an incredible performance by David, who obviously was quiet the first day out against Tip, and then scores two six yesterday. We talk about the football a little bit later on but uh, just remember that it is it is the taxpayer's money it is your money that is uh, funding all this so if you feel strongly about it then get involved in the conversation mm. Exactly
4: um, So we'll move on to the green Yeah I guess and uh, we have Cork Tip as one of our, our greens this morning Cork 419 Tip 225 I'm sure you're buzzing this morning Colm I know despite, you know, uh, despite it, the fact that yeah. you couldn't see it properly um, but by all accounts it was a superb
2: pulsating game of hurling. Fabulous 30 and a half thousand in Parky Cueve 30 and a half. 30 Wow 3-0 Is that yeah. like apart from the Liam Miller is that one of the biggest I'd that i so. yeah, I don't have yeah. it
3: to mind but yeah I can, I can and imagine And rugby the soccer and yeah. The rugby yeah, yeah yeah There was a great uh, shot one of the corners Just it was so full and a beautiful evening as well and like I regret not going down like, I should have gone down but the alternative was uh, not there for me like
2: we had Anthony Nash on Friday and he just painted this incredible picture of what it's like on a Saturday evening under lights with the the blue and gold jerseys streaming through the city and just how exciting the whole thing was. And how the romance of the Cork-Tip rivalry is that it's the real rivalry that Cork have. Like, it's, yes. you know... Massive. Yeah, blood and bandages. Yeah. yeah, and that area in Cork as
3: well is really coming
2: on. Like, it's, it's
3: always been, like, a very nice area, beautiful spot, but um, it's been developed massively. Like, it's going to be the place to be even more so in the coming years. And you can walk from there into the city afterwards too. So Saturday night, Cork was buzzing. There was videos all over online. And her own Ashley O'Reilly was down there and mm-hmm. she said, like, the buzz here is incredible. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I am biased, but that was a neutral report.
4: And then on the pitch, Cork trailing by five yeah. early in the second half trailing by five again with seven minutes to play and then that late burst of goals what 2-4 to 1-2 in Cork's favour in the last number of minutes was just mad yeah um, they're back they are back but
3: it shows a bit of back. Well,
2: they, might be, <laughs> they might not be back it shows a bit
3: of resolve lovely greeting there for
4: goody Resorted. thumbs up off camera yeah,
3: th- yeah. Th- thumbs up Yes, thumbs up yeah
4: yeah 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 well Tipperary and Cork we, we, should, are ha- ha- we, should, we last. should have a word for the under 20s then should we we should certainly sorry yeah, Cork's given to the 220 uh, football semi-finals because uh Bad weekend for Sligo in the Connacht final, but certainly the uh, the under twenties, uh, the big dogs is that what the, the captain called them yeah. after the, the last the match? Big effing dogs, is it? It's big effing dogs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll hold back from that one. But uh, one eight to nine point winners over Kerry. A fancied Kerry under twenty team at Pear Stadium, uh, and Paul Henry, the Sligo under twenty boss as well, dedicating that um, that win over the weekend to Dylan Walsh from Moore Gales, who uh, had his eighteenth birthday last Wednesday fortnight, scored the winning point in the Connacht final against Galway, and then in in the days following, um, scarily was uh, rushed to hospital with, with meningitis. Uh, so that, that uh, game at the weekend was certainly dedicated to Dylan. Um, but a deserved qualification, I would say, from from Slego's perspective. Uh, held carry to six points in the first half. Scored 1-3 themselves, went in level and they were playing against a strong wind. So they had a standing ovation walking off at half-time uh, and then the second half performance was uh, was brilliant. And uh, look, they're looking to secure a first ever All-Ireland crown next weekend. They've never won a senior, minor or under-21s
2: or 20s. Yeah, I presume the whole country is cheering for them uh, given the circumstances with the small pocket of Kildare, the lone exception. Um, Kildare versus Sligo in the under-20s, Kildare versus Sligo in the seniors. yeah. Yeah. Good to see
4: it. And Kildare's win in the twenties, by the way, against a, a very good Down oh, yeah. team under Laverty. Yeah, uh, Parnell Park, one eleven to two seven, and that uh, back from the dead. That oh, was amazing. Jack McEvitt with the last kick of the game sending Kildare into a second successive final, um, and that game is going to be fascinating in the final because both teams will fancy it all of a sudden. That's an Elton Chan reference. Sad, sad nights, all right. Couldn't fit the whole word in. Saturday nights, all right. Yeah, yeah. very good.
2: Yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah
4: puns are on, on point this morning Colin. right You've last one quickly I'm yeah, gonna, we're out on. of time yeah Arsenal uh, deservedly get a mention in the in the green uh, Mikel Arteta said lads before the Newcastle match he threw on the all or nothing uh, did he? documentary really? in the hotel to the Arsenal players really? no I, he says he threw on one scene he got them all to sit down in a room and it was a scene where Arsenal players are all dejected and it's zooming in on all of their individual faces he wanted them to see themselves dejected imagine that feeling after the match against Newcastle and say Let's not feel like that. It must have been a direct reference to St James's Park this time last season. Yeah. yeah. Correct. It must have been that game exactly. where
3: where uh, Granit Xhaka came out afterwards and <laughs> eviscerated his teammates. Yeah. So well, it worked. Times change.
2: Yeah. Got to really give them credit here. This is phenomenal. To recover the way they have recovered is is absolutely sensational. I think that we'd all thought that they were going to be flaky and I think this really sets them up for next season. Yeah. Cuz it did feel like there was a swoon coming. There had been one. I mean, if they could have just done this against West Ham or Liverpool or Southampton. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but the title race is not over. I mean, it, no, no. If, I
4: mean, look, we thought
3: if they'd
2: done it against one of those teams, you'd be like, oh, it's over now. Because uh, Arsenal are going to... Look, they've gone to St. James' Park and they won.
3: They'll, they'll forever have that regret about what happened after going 2-0 up in Anfield. Yeah. But the, the return yesterday was great. And like we talked about earlier in the performance rankings, Ulster and, how, and pressure and their poor relationship with it. Arsenal on the other side like in WSL they beat Leicester on Friday night they're always going to win that game like well favourites for it, but to win 1-0 and to also stay in the uh, title race yeah. and then to do it on the men's side too it's been a great weekend for the Gunners because uh, a lot of people looking at that game yesterday away to Newcastle thought trouble here and it's great for the Premier League title race because Man City uh. beating Leeds Mm. It would have been all over, really. Yeah. All over had Newcastle won. And what a result to win it at St. James's Park. They've been phenomenal there this season. And Odegaard's finish was superb as well. You look at Arsenal's finishers. I think that. Uh, uh, it was yeah. miles out. Yeah. It was miles out. Not supposed to be scoring from there, but yeah. it turns out you, do you don't mean, buy a ticket, yeah, you don't in, win the lottery. The, it went through um, centre-half's legs. I think it was either,
4: well, it must have been either
3: anyway. Starr yeah, or sure. okay. uh,
2: Batman. It's top quality stuff, lads, but yeah.
4: yeah. Sorry, Brighton at home, Forest away, Wolves at home. That's Arsenal's last three games, so title race still up there we're
2: out of time
1: Just the a of good
2: finish <laughs> are we done? yeah also we're done dream. now yeah. you've, ruined, you've, you've ruined it there you go, go. On. Uh, right that's this week's Gillette Lads performance rankings
7: OTBAS performance rankings with Gillette
2: six full minutes late to our next slot a reminder Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off The Bowl Brayburn Coffee is coming to an Apple Green store near you new Brayburn locations are popping up every month visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn Coffee experience up next Daniel Harris,
5: OTB, AM,
2: the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Right, Daniel Harris is with us to talk about Manchester United and what appears to be uh, an inopportune time for a swoon at the end of the season. Daniel, good morning to you. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
2: Um, On balance, they probably deserve more from the game that than they got. But at the same time, when your goalkeeper throws one in, you kind of run the risk of
1: losing. Yeah, yeah. If your goalkeeper throws one in and you can't score, you deserve to lose. And I I, I don't really hold by this deserve metric in that, or not, uh, there is a metric that has been determined precisely to determine who wants to win a football match, and it's called the score. And if the other teams score more than you, I think it's quite hard to argue that you deserved any more than you got, and I didn't feel and I nor the people around me in the ground felt that United deserved anything out of that game because as you say the keeper threw one in and they couldn't score
2: was the performance bad generally because obviously you know on on telly and, and watching highlights you don't really get a full sense of it so was there was there energy was there direction did it look like they knew what they were doing
1: um it did until it did until West Ham scored I think that We've seen these games before. We saw them sometimes last season under Rangnick, and we saw them quite a lot under Van Gaal as well. Where United would play okay for twenty minutes, but if they didn't score, and then the opposition did, they would lose. And this that performance last night was quite reminiscent of that. Where once United went behind, I don't think anyone in the away end really thought that United were going to were going to come back from that because just there's there's lots of reasons that. They've, they've lost confidence, They've lost, their legs have gone and I think probably their, their heads have gone as well a little bit where they're not playing with the same intensity, they're not playing with the same composure on the ball either and just a lot of players have gone off form at the same time and Ten half doesn't really trust many of the ones that are on the bench. So what you end up with is you end up with the same players who play every game and then cycling through various others in the hope that one of them will give you a performance when you want one.
4: You listened to Ten Hag after the match last night, Daniel, and you expected David De Gea is going to sign a new new contract, albeit with much uh, reduced wages from from his current uh, standings. Uh, is that the right decision, do you think, from a from United perspective? If he does sign on, he's been a great servant of the club, of course, but there have been a lot of uh, errors and mistakes, both with distribution and, and, and goals like last night let in.
1: Uh, I, I don't know if Ten Hag really means that. Because I think that, I'm sure Ten Hag wants a goalkeeper, a better one, a number one goalkeeper. But given all the uncertainty about the takeover, number one, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to buy one because there might be other things he needs and wants more. But also, there's still a bit of the season to go. So if he sits there and says, well, actually, we're not offering David de Gea anything, then to be in a position where you have to rely on him doesn't really make a lot of sense. So... The only way that he could probably be honest about David De Gea was if he decided that he was going to Jim in him and just play Jack Butland or Tom Heaton instead for the remainder of the season, and I, I feel like I could probably get behind those because De Gea's made two errors in recent games, the one severe and the one severe, and the one last night that it feels like there probably has to be some consequences for that. So if he didn't play again, I wouldn't object to that. You know, I'd have got. They've got four games, they need to probably win three of them and they've got a cup final against Manchester City. Feels like someone's got to make a decision because although De Gea is still capable of making brilliant saves, as you say, they can't really play the kind of football they want to play with him. And it's not even just the distribution, as you say, it's the refusal to leave his line, which makes it difficult to defend with for the defenders and also the team are playing 10 yards deeper than they need to, which means the attacking players get the ball 10 yards lower down the pitch and it all looks something of a mess now.
2: I know you say there's more than likely other areas of the pitch that he'll feel the need to strengthen in, but that seems like a fairly fundamental building block from that perspective of someone who believes in his own ability to coach players, which we've already seen this season, and then his style of play. I'm talking about Ten Hag here. It it feels like a, a goalkeeper who was pushing everybody forward and telling everybody what to do would actually be very transformative for this group.
1: 100%. And there are definitely people that watch United that will say the first thing they would do is buy a goalkeeper. I think that what's probably happened with Ten Hag is he probably decided that he could get by with De Gea for another year if he has to, because the if there was perhaps an obvious goalkeeper that you could go and get, then perhaps he'd be more, not more motivated, because I'm sure he's extremely motivated not to have what happened last night happen again. But a centre-forward is probably more necessary than a goalkeeper. And even a midfield player might be more necessary because if you've got someone scoring goals at the other end and you've got someone who helps you control the play then there's actually less for the goalkeeper to do. But I, I agree that a goalkeeper is a fundamental thing in a football team because it's not just the saves, it's the security that enables the rest of the team to play in the way that they want to and to and to and to, and to Ten and a Half wants United to play dominant football. So in order to do that, you need to be able to play a high line and you need to be able to retain possession. You need to be able to build play properly. So it's not a situation where people don't think United need a goalkeeper, but you could just as easily say, well, they also, in order to have a football team that's good, you need to be able to control midfield and you also need to be able to have someone who's going to score goals. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the correct answer is, but perhaps the notion that there isn't an obvious goalkeeper who you would buy, who would be absolutely certain would come in and be great, makes it more significant that you go and get a centre-forward in the midfield player. Whereas if you had, say, Edwin van der Sar available an equivalent to that, then you might think, well, I definitely must go and do that.
4: I know that he has probably been exposed by, by the fact that, it's hardly an excuse, but exposed by the, the Varane and Martinez being out of the team as well. Does Tin Haag, Daniel, have to take any responsibility for, for the decisions in advance of the game? You see Vad Weghorst starting a match for the first time in over a month and, and a very unimpressive 56 minutes. Now, Anthony Martial, when he came off the bench, wasn't exactly any more impressive, but it just only serves to highlight the need for a goal scorer in this United team because so many chances were wasted last night.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is is a a peripheral point, but I don't understand why United never have strikers on the bench, really. I I get the fact that they don't have senior strikers, but there's something about centre-forwards who know where the ball's going to drop that chucking on a winger will not do the same thing. So, I mean, we saw it when Danny Welbeck was coming through, he would be on the bench well before he started playing regularly. Kiko Makeda scored two goals in two games. There's almost nothing else. But Fergie had him on the bench and a bench that had fewer substitutions allowed from it because sometimes you need a goal. And when you need a goal, you need to send it forward. And so I don't think, for me to be very clear, I don't think the solution is putting Joe Hugel on the bench. But at the same time, I probably would have Joe Hugel on the bench because United don't look like the team who knows how to score. As for Veghorst, I mean... I don't understand why he started last night because it was hard to see what Tenach's plan was in order to get him to contribute something, given that he's... I don't know how many starts he's made for United, but he scored once against Nottingham Forest in a game I think they won, is it 3-0, 3-1 in the League Cup semi? And he scored once in the Europa League against a team I can't even remember who it was, but it was a game United won easily. He hasn't scored in the Premier League So the idea that playing him as a number 10 last night was going to make something happen was very hard to believe, even though I understand that Ten Hag probably wanted to make a point to Anthony Martial that his performance in midweek meant that he had to not be in the team today, uh, last night, sorry. So, and it is beginning to look a bit messy from Ten Hag in that he had that period after the World Cup where he just seemed to be making great decisions all the time where he'd analyse a game at half-time or after an hour, work out why it was United were doing well in that game, make a change or two, and then you'd see the change reflected very quickly in what happened on the pitch. And when United appointed him, that was something Steve McLaren said about him, that he just had a really great ability to read a game and work out what needed to be done to tip that game in his favour. That hasn't happened for a long time. And I think last night he picked the wrong team because also it's not just playing Veghorst there, but if you play Veghorst there, it means you're playing Bruno wide. Mm. And Bruno's the guy who's most likely to make a goal happen. He doesn't have the pace to go on the outside of the players. So if you put him wide, then you're effectively limiting your ability to create by taking your most reliable creator out in the middle of the pitch. What also happens then is if you think you've got Casemiro and Ericsson, neither of those have got any speed, then you've got Veghorst in front of them, no pace. Then you've got... You've got Bruno Wide, no pace. And then on the other flank, you've got Anthony, who does have a bit of pace, but he's not he's not lightning. And then everything starts to look very, very slow and predictable. So often you can see what Ten Hag's trying to do, but last night was not one of those occasions. And I think, yeah, he does also have to take some, take some responsibility for that. But to go back, Colin, to your point just a moment ago, the absence of Martínez and Varane is also making a massive difference because, first of all... It's taking Luke Shaw away from the left-back, left and Luke Shaw's doing a really good job at centre-back. He's good. Apart from that ludicrous error at the end of the Brighton game, game in which he was United's best player, he's a good centre-back. But United lose something when he's not a left-back because he gives them thrust going forward, and he's also got a good relationship with Marcus Rashford, and they miss him. And they're also missing Varane, the security that you get from Varane, the knowledge that he's going to win almost every header in your own in, in his own box – Uh, He's got some recovery pace as well. And then you've got Lissandro Martinez, who is aggressive, who's winning the ball as soon as he can to get the team high up the pitch. And also he's probably the team's principal playmaker in a way because he's the guy who's hitting long diagonal passes or who's carrying the ball forward. And without him, United just don't have that. And it is making a massive difference not having those two players.
2: Do you think that they're still going to qualify for the Champions League? (laughs)
1: Oh man, Um, I'm just thinking about the prospect of having to sit through another season of Europa League thinking I will do time if that happens, but they should have just about enough to make it happen because of the four games that they've got, none of those teams have anything to play for, but if they they don't win the next one, if they don't beat Wolves at the uh, the weekend, then yeah, then it will look unlikely that they're going to manage that. They should still manage it from here. But if they don't, I think that will be a fairly significant blow. And if you remember at the end of it all, they've got a Derby FA Cup final against a team who are better than them, who are playing much better than them, who are also trying to emulate a treble that United won. I mean, it's looked like this for quite some time now. I mean, I guess I, in the beginning, I started talking about it like it was a joke, that, in some ways that United's United's best season in a decade could end in absolutely fantastic disaster. But as we now chug towards that situation, it looks like absolute disaster is actually fairly likely.
4: One of the hallmarks of those great United teams was that games would never peter out like like they did last night. If they're a goal down, they'll usually come back. And Fergie time was always the the time in which they got those goals. And and certainly at this time of a season, with with so much at stake in this top four race, these games are so crucial. And to see United losing these games in the fashion that they are, does it show a weakness in in mentality or... or Something to that effect, Daniel, because it's it's clearly a time of the season where you have to be winning these games.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's weakness in mentality, and we've seen that with some of these players for quite a few seasons now. There's also weakness in ability that the, there's the players Ten Hag has bought, and there's Bruno Fernandes and there's Luke Shaw, but um, and there's Rashford, but he's not. I'm sure he's not mad about the others, and that's just very basic players that aren't good, good enough. That if we think about the players that United want to sign this summer. If you if you said to me you can buy buy any players that you like, and this isn't just me going right, I'm going to go and sign Erling Haaland and Killian and Papé, but I would be saying, well, I want a centre forward, I want a midfield player, I want basically Christian Eriksen with some physical presence, I want a right back, and I want a goalkeeper. Those are four players I want for the starting eleven. I also want another midfield player for depth, and I also want. Um, I also ideally would want really another centre forward for depth as well, and I would want a third choice centre back. So that's quite a lot of things that United need. And if you look at if you look at Arsenal, say, and you look at Manchester City, Arsenal thinking, well, they probably want a better player than Grant Xhaka, but after that, they're just signing depth. Manchester City, they're not signing player. Who are they signing in the summer? Like almost like they have more or less the team that they want. So if United to catch up, there's a lot of work to be done, but. To come back to your mental your mental weakness point, we've seen it with these players, and some of these players actually were quite good at coming back when they went behind. Now, had that season under Ole, where they regularly went behind, particularly away from home, including a game at West Ham, actually. And they got really good at coming back, but the weakness was getting into a position from which they needed to come back in the first place. Last night was just kind of a lack of quality and a lack of intensity, where it was really only an injury time where they looked like they might score. They had Anthony Martial chance, and then they had the header that he should have scored as well. But... Prior to then, they didn't... I think they had one shot on target maybe in the second half and one shot on target in the first half and one they hit the post. They didn't really look like they were going to score and it is weakness in mentality and it was weakness in mentality that cost them against Brighton when Luke Shaw handling the ball in the injury time. That is... That's not weak technical weakness and Luke Shaw is a is a really good player. That is loss of concentration, loss of patience, loss of focus, whatever you want to call it and just loss a panic, who knows, but just doing something completely inexplicable at a moment of mediocre pressure mm. is 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 meant is mental weakness and i say that no one likes saying that about professional footballers that have greater mental toughness than the three of us that have in this conversation combined and then some well we couldn't perform under that kind of pressure i'm absolutely certain of it i mean look at the mess i'm making of a few gentle questions here so when i say it i'm not saying that i i'm better than that or i wouldn't have done that that's all right what we I'm understand saying- <laughs> yeah not to rub it in <laughs> What I'm saying is that professional footballers, one of the things that they do is the ability to perform under pressure is something that the likes of us can't really understand. And yet when you see these kind of errors, it is often that inability to perform properly under pressure. So yeah, these players are, some of them, not the toughest mentally. I agree.
2: It's what Ron McGarrett always says. Pressure does uh, very strange things to people. Uh, Last point here before we wrap up today. In the WSL, United beat Spurs 3-0 yesterday. Uh, Four clear of Chelsea and still top of the table, but obviously Chelsea have games in hand. Do you want points on the board at this time of the season, though, just to follow on from that pressure issue?
1: Uh, I would say that that Chelsea are favourites. They've got to play Arsenal still, and if United win all their games and that game's a draw, then the goal difference means United will almost definitely win the league. I think think you'd probably rather be Chelsea if they were playing full-strength Arsenal. I mean, if they were playing full-strength Arsenal, Arsenal would still be in the running for the league title. But Arsenal, without so many of their best players you have to back Chelsea to win that game um, I, I mean I, I hope United can do it they are playing really well at the moment I, they've got to play Manchester City um, but United are playing well at the moment and I think United will probably win their games um, and they look, the performance like yesterday was just a really competent performance where Tottenham had one chance where Beth England went round Marriott and um, was saved on the line she should still have scored but other than that, United were totally dominant finished the game really quickly look look, to a really good team they've made they've made massive strides this season because what you're seeing is you're seeing individual players massively improving like their galton's a much better player than she was last season. Ella Toon has also really really come on a lot as well so they look confident but i my guess is that that Chelsea will just will just pit them, but the cup final should be should be a really good game and United in a one-off game have, have definitely a really good chance to win that the way right. that they're playing and the firepower that they've got.
2: Daniel, good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. No, it's Sarah see
1: everyone. Have a good day. It's
2: uh, Daniel Harris there. Uh, JP Wright says, Man United's lack of a top-class strike will cost them a Champions League place. Inferior goal difference will see them finish fifth. Uh, are Manchester United back if they bottle the top four and only end up with a tin pot cup? Obviously not. As Shane I presume asking you Shane Not me Are United back if they bottle the top 4 and only
4: end up with the Carabao yeah, you Obviously were like, not
2: You were like Man United had a better season than Arsenal
4: Yeah if they get top 4 I said so That's what you were um, If they get top 4 and win the Carabao That court. was your argument It just doesn't feel such like a good argument now it, Shane? Well certainly not if they get, don't get top 4 no. If they still get top 4 I think it's Reasonable season with much
2: improvement to be made in the window. How's your Carabao Cup now, Shane? Doesn't taste too good. Where's your Messiah now, Flanders? The FA Cup.
0: The, the FA Cup stopping. City's travel still to come.
2: 25 minutes past eight. Alan Quinlan is with us. Alan, good morning to you.
0: Morning, lads. How, How are, are you? Very good, thanks, yeah. Munster are back, though. Well, I was just chatting to Philip Egan out at the the desk there, and he said, look, sure, it's, it'll be a day out for Munster on hey. Saturday. Hey. You have uh, Herbert Parks, lovely markets there in the morning. Yeah. You can pop into the bridge for a beer, you know, get a day out, do a bit of shopping. Yeah. Um and kinda just saying, look, no point in turning up really, you know. <laughs> Philip will kill me you now for saying that. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh it has that bit of a feel to it, but look um We're gonna uh, start with Munster. We it we we gotta go back and talk about Connacht as well. I think that oh, was yeah. that was well, and for Ulster. me yeah, um unbelievable. But for Munster, yeah, um the result was was brilliant. Um, getting the win,
2: you'd feel good about life if everybody who was injured hadn't got injured.
0: Correct. If you had that team going to play a rotated Leinster on Saturday, because Leo Cullen has come out and said that you know obviously with the final the, the week after that he will kind of switch it around again. Um, but it's really difficult. But Munster can't do anything really about what what Leinster do, and um, they have the ability to to make lots of changes and and still be top notch really. But um, it's unfortunate, again, you know, the the injuries. Um, you just think RG Snyman, he's back, he's presence Gets another bang in the head. HIA almost certainly ruling him out because he had one a couple of weeks ago in, in South Africa as well. So, Calvin Nash, Conor Murray, Peter O'Mahony, um, Malachi Fekatoa at the end, uh, Dermot Barnes. So, I think there's six six of the starters. right. Um, it's difficult because they don't have the, the same type of depth. Now, to be fair, the players come on. I thought someone who's done brilliantly in recent weeks is Finnean Witcherly. Um He was incredible. Um, that was a very physical game the other night. Having Ty bar- Burnback playing 80 minutes after three months shows it's it's kind of freakish scenario, but it's the way you look after yourself when you're injured nowadays. And uh, he was great. Gavin Coombs... Um, Malachi Fekato who's leaving, I thought he was outstanding, you know, and he has been in recent times. He's a real player if he switched on and um Frisch was good. So they've a lot of positives. I think if you look at the stats, they're kinda of crazy. they Munster down for thirty six missed tackles, which doesn't really you know what I mean? Mm. If you were to watch the game, Jerry, you think, God, Munster were brilliant defensively, which they were. Um it was a lot of close in stuff. I watched that back where Glasgow player had step someone kind of yeah. wriggled through a tackle and then they'd be tackled after that there was a lot of that a lot of footwork evasion defenders beaten uh, Glasgow's numbers were very high one, starting, one clean line break that was for, from Conor Murray um, for, for the red card from Tom Jordan so it was a crazy kind of game um, I was there you, I think the first 15 minutes you felt God I, I, this is going to be difficult but they dug in there, and I think that's... They can take a lot of credit for what they did in the last few weeks when you think that the, the three away results, um, and we know in sport how difficult it is to win away from home. Um, it can be a real factor for, for in any sport, but to go to the Stormers, the Sharks, and now Glasgow, three big scalps. Yeah. And given the Stormers hadn't lost in twenty-one or two games, their Glasgow haven't been beaten a year and a half. Yeah, um, so yeah, seventeen months. Yeah, there are the kind of things they don't. Get, it doesn't give you trophies, but it shows the grit and determination that you've stuff to work on. The fundamentals of of a team like like Monster, I would have said, I've probably banged this drum for a while. Uh, and whether people agree or not, you know, when you played it, from my time playing there, it's, it's, you have to bring a fight, a determination, a work rate, an honesty, and a passion. Sometimes the, people think they're given in sport, but you kind of have to have them as a, a, be very aware of them, particularly when you play for, for, for that team. That's what I learned anyway, and I think we've seen that in abundance in recent weeks. So, you know, anytime you criticise a team, in any sport, I think it comes down to, you know, if you don't see that work rate and that effort and desire, you lose matches. Sometimes you're not good enough. Sometimes you're lacking quality, all that kind of stuff in any sport, again. But, you know, the last few weeks, they've su- they've shown some fight. Um, and that is a real good... That's where your foundations... To getting better, upskilling, bringing in a little bit more quality, getting one or two young players coming through from your academy, all that kind of stuff. As I said, it doesn't win you trophies. So the fight and determination and um, physicality they showed the other night was brilliant. One player again, and I keep mentioning. Some people don't agree, but I think John Klein has improved. Dramatically as a player from where he was in 2019 where he got a lot of criticism some of it justified when he got picked ahead of Devon Toner phenomenal you know the, the, like epitomises the kind of player you'd want to go out in the field with um, I'm not saying he's better than Ryan Baer, James Ryan Ian Henderson but he should be in the mix for the World Cup he should be looked at and he should be spoken about. And for the people online who kind of continuously say, well, his hands aren't good and he should never been picked, he's improved dramatically as a player. And the work rate and Glasgow's Mall has has damaged people all season and Munster stopped it the other night. They had a few scrum penalties, but by and large, our scrum was, was, was really good.
2: So they can actually look forward. I, I understand the injury uh, profile now is, is a... Is not great, right? But at the same time there is a little bit of depth that they've built. A lot of the injury problems that they had, particularly in the second row and back row, have all cleared up. So Snyman's loss obviously is, is huge, but there is at least some strength and depth there that they'll be able to name players who we're like excited to see into the future what they're gonna do.
0: Yeah, Edwin Adogbo was there the other night, so he he could come into the mix um such a, a young, powerful, exciting player. Thomas Ahern I think is back training. Alex Kandelan has played well recently. John Hodnett coming off the bench for Peter Mann. I thought Hodnett was outstanding as well. Defensively, the tackles, um, low tackle focus. So there is a bit of depth there, I think. Um, and, it, it, you know, look, it's a tough situation for him. And, again, I said this last week. If you buy into that, we're in bonus territory. It does take a little bit of pressure off, but... You know, going to Glasgow, if Munster were beaten, you kind of say, well, they made Europe, they made the knockout stages, um, turned around a dreadful start to the season, decent finish. You know, you, there's two ways of looking at that. You are in a bit of bonus territory on Saturday because people, you know, will expect Leinster to, you know, that they'll just win the game mm. and get through to another final. But, um, you know, that can stimulate you as well if you use in the right way. But um, they're it was a great win from um Dennis there's certainly areas that they need to be better in
4: Dennis Leamy possibly worth worth a mention as well i think he was name checked by by Graeme Rentry after the match in terms of the work he's done with, yeah, the, with the defense yeah. especially since that Glasgow game in
0: december when you think back and and the errors across the pitch leamy's done a lot of good work yeah and i think uh, defense isn't just about it's about attitude as well um as i said the stats of the missed tackles kind of mm. you know look bad on paper but uh, Munster were superb defensively I think they were really aggressive and physical Um, Glasgow a very powerful side and they were incredibly physical and Munster stood up to that so yeah I think Dennis has done a, a great job and if you look at Munster where they were probably last couple of seasons um, there's certainly a lot to build on yeah, and be I, optimistic about because their attack is so much better and they're yeah. trying to play. And if two wingers now that are looking for multiple involvements, I'm not saying, you know, that they're, again, that they're not going to win anything. We we didn't expect them to win anything, but they're, they're in a good place. And I think if you they... You
2: can build on this. You couldn't... It didn't feel like we were building... Munster were building on anything over the last couple of years. There's a lot
0: of repeat, repeat, yeah, repeat, wasn't yeah. there in the last couple of years. And that's
2: the definition of insanity. Like, yeah. Uh, so let's move on because we do need to talk about Ulster and Connacht. Uh, Andy Friend said that he he met Dan of for coffee in the morning of the game. McFarland was like, "Oh, look at you, happy to, we're in bonus territory, have that conversation. He's like, absolutely because we, you know, got to take the pressure off us. The pressure on Ulster ratcheted up before the game by Stephen Ferris and after the game by Stephen Ferris but he was 100% correct. Like, it, it has been a bad season for Ulster. The rumours of an unhappy camp, the 10 players leaving, as I was making the case, most of those players, it doesn't really matter they're leaving. Some of them are first choice, fair enough. But um, I think it's been a bit of a disaster of a season for Ulster, where it looked like they had, at the end of last year, this young attacking threat, very exciting backline, and they just have not kicked on at all.
0: Yeah, it's it's been... I think they started really well, and they were in a very good position in the league for a long period um December in Europe kind of started a bad run um a way to sail um they were walloped in that game um you know not 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 progressing in europe. It's always a kinda of, they should be looking and say we we need to be a knockout stage in Europe when that doesn't happen it's 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 a disappointment that's the way I view it anyway for a club of ulsters kind of Size and stature. Um, January poor. You know, losing in Benetton, the monster beat them in in Belfast. Um, recently, they've gone on a good run of of up to this point five league wins. Um, they gave Leinster, you could say, a challenge in 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 that quarter final um, of Europe, but. I think it's. I think it's unfair. I agree a little bit with Andy Friend that you know when you're in that situation, and it's a similar situation if, if, for Graham Roundtree if they went out this bonus territory thing. Ulster's a bit different, I think, because there's an impatience there about them that they have very exciting players. Yeah, I think, and they don't seem to know really. What way they 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 they're playing at times, I think their mall has been superb this year. I think they have got a little bit of steel we've always kind of questioned their their ability up front, but there's a couple of key positions, Jared that they're ten yeah look it's hard to hard on Billy Burns, and I don't like you know you don't want to personalize it, but um I think you know their front rows has been a problem as well. Stephen Kitsoff is coming in. Um, and it's very similar situation to, to Munster's, situa- Munster's situation. The reality is, how many Ulster fellas are on the Irish team? Like uh, starters? Uh, none. Yeah, you see, and that's it. And that's that's where you need to get there. So, um, and that's the, the yardstick, really. And, and you know, Munster have one or two, and Murray O'Mahony, Byrne. Um Henderson, when he's fit would start. Kitchell's Rob Herring's in, in in there a lot. Kitchov's um, a great side. Brilliant right? player.
2: But he he he's a loose head, right?
0: Yeah, he's a loose head. Yeah uh, so Allen's leaving now the tight head, yeah, so do, do, um, you,
2: do you should you be spending all your money on a, a, a loose head? Or is it actually better to
0: kind of... It'd be better to have a tight head if, if they're available. Yes, yes, because um, like that's really the cornerstone a cornerstone of your pack, really. But Maybe he'll
2: be a ball carrier and you will add a little bit of that to them. And in fairness, yeah. they don't have that. It's and d-
0: it's difficult to be over... I find it hard to... to um, I just think there's something missing there. And I think... Um, I don't know if it's a ha- happy camp. Um, Ferris would say it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah, you hear a little rumours that... They're not a happy camp at times, and it's been a real roller coaster up and down. Uh, it was very eerie. But aside from all that, Connacht were outstanding the other night. And I think we've, I said it here on Friday, and and um, a lot of people said it that this was a very dangerous proposition for, for Ulster because Connacht have a recent run of form. Yeah. Mac Hansen being back, Bundy Ackie. A lot of their players are kind of and the showing a bit the of a spark of... as well recently, and they're they're on a good run. They were outstanding and and really, Is Prendergast, uh, like he's on the fringes of Ireland selection. Yeah, yeah, he's he was very good the other night. Very, um, very versatile as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he was superb. And um, Seamus Hurley Langton, who was he was outstanding. You know, I think um, his overall performance, his abrasiveness, he's. Ability in the breakdown, some of the lines he ran for the carries. And I think that set the tone. They set the tone pretty early with not being... Um, and when you're the underdog and when your backs are to the wall and there is an expectation there that the home team are kind of going to bully you, they're going to maul you off the park, they're going to out-scrummage you. Um, it, it created a real edge to Connacht and they continued that edge over 80 minutes. The hard yards, the work rate, the fitness level they showed was outstanding and they deserved to be there you know you couldn't you didn't look at that game and say well kind of kind of fluked it yeah throughout the game you they had that kind of feel about them that they were going to win this game and Ulster were kind of dead in their feet so there's a lot of questions to be asked about Ulster why they lacked that energy that are night um, were they naive and thinking they were just going to kind of turn up and, and use it, their physicality and probably a little bit more size Um Connacht aren't like that and I think it's a great it was a great result for Andy Friend, given it could have been his last game. Can okay. you make an argument against the Stormers, or is that a bridge too far? Um, it's it, Obviously, for any team that would go and play the Stormers in South Africa, it's going to be difficult. I think their, John Dobson, their coach, was, was kind of concerned with that Munster performance. Um, there's one of them in every team where yeah. they kind of get caught. It's hard to shift the momentum sometimes in, in rugby when, on the day, the opposition are like, You know, really pumped and emotionally right for a game. And you start to make mistakes, you force things. So, um, because of the collisions and in in rugby like that, um, it can slip away from you and you can't shake off the opposition. But I think they've learned from that. Um, They were very good against the Bulls on on Saturday. So it's a big task. But this is now the quote I'm saying about bonus territory. Kind of like they're in that bonus territory now because they've progressed. They're in the last four. And I think
2: um, I think they have a bunch of players who've got Ireland experience who've justified their selection, who presumably are having an influence on. Finley Lebealan was back, obviously, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's making everybody who plays for Connacht think. Actually, I can have the dream of playing for Ireland while playing for this team. Which, for let's face it, the vast majority of Connacht's history, you had to leave Connacht to get selected. Yes, for correct. And I mean,
0: the only time we really saw a a big group of Connacht players on mass was 2016 when they won the the the, the league. Then. Leinster in Glasgow. There was five or six of them on that Irish tour to South Africa. Um, yeah, so they're playing for a lot as well because Andy Farrell will be watching all this stuff. Bundy Aki, um showed the type of player he 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 is and the yeah. quality he has and the experience and the physicality, big turnovers, making hard yards, and um, so it was a, it was a, it was a great performance for Connacht. They deserve massive credit for that.
2: Okay, uh, we haven't talked about Leinster. Um it was a, a mix of their first and second teams and uh, it was never really in doubt. You know, the quality of, of Leicester's performance in, in various stages, like the Harry Byrne crossfield kick, that was sensational execution from him. Maybe he gets a lucky bounce, I don't know. Maybe he, he's practised it a gazillion times and he knew exactly what he was doing. And then the camera pans to the lads in the audience like, he's pretty good, he's very good. He played for Ireland. He's amazing. He's missing. All right. Good strength and depth for this team. Like it's hard. It's hard for us to keep
0: saying new things about Yeah, we're probably repeating ourselves, but it's just the, the seamless transition to make nine changes in a team, um, and just to have the, the the detail and the accuracy. And there's a sense with Lenser they don't panic and they just put so much pressure on you. And every situation, um, they're obviously all at a very High level from from a resilience point of view, they don't. um, Nothing seems to faze them, and they just seem to back themselves. And but there's a belief there that they can get these tries, and um, the way they can change gears as well. And then they drop back a gear or two and just do the simple things really well, um, which can be really frustrating if you're trying to get the ball back off them or, or attack them because there's no gaps, there's no chinks there. Grant Williams, the scrum half, gets a crazy try to start the game. He's a super player and he's capable of that, but Linzer just don't panic up the field and they have three three, three quick tries in a short period of time and, and that's the game gone. Caelan Doris, majestic again, hardly yeah, a Yeah, he's just a wonderful player. Um, it's consistent, it's, it's, it's constant, mm. um, his skill levels are just through the roof. His level so never wrongly. drops. like it, no, never it doesn't. Drops. And, jo- and Van der Fleer, he, they're similar type of guys who just... Jack Conan has been brilliant in recent times as well. He came on for Scott Penny. So when you've, you're you naming these guys, it's why they're international players, Shane, and why they're consistently performing against the world's best because they're up right up there. So Doris is just a sensational player to have and 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 his reading in the game is brilliant as well he's just able to pop up at the right places in the right times that's not by accident that's mm-hmm. by reading the game being in good positions um, and I think you know you're rolling players off the bench then who were internationals Gibson Park and um, Luke McGrath did really well and I think if you were looking for any little chink in the armour think the halfbacks would go after them if you're the Sharks but no Harry Bourne was really good as well and and Gatay and, and, and Frawley in the centre so um, yeah it's hard to see anyone really stopping them because um, they're on a level now that's would please the, any coach to, to be in that position so Scotland maybe flatter them a little bit at yeah. times uh, in, in, in that second half but I think when the score when Max Stegen scores the try in the second half that's the game it's gone yeah. it's over and um they're happy to contain then a little bit when they have to for periods of time and and they just do the basics so well
2: Max Deegan is 26 if you were sitting down advising him on his career what would the advice be stick with Leinster and harvest as many medals as you possibly can or become first choice for one of the other provinces and force your way into Ireland
0: selection for me and again he's in a very good environment a happy environment um, high performing environment He's the one player I think about in the last couple of years. He got capped before Caelan Doris. They were kind of around the same time. Maybe he was a year or two before, ahead and Doris has just gone on to a different level. Your career's over. It goes pretty quickly. Um, and and for me, I'd want Ireland caps. I think you, you need Ireland caps. You need to be in that mix. There's a risk of moving provinces and it not working out. We've seen that happen with some players. Um, we've seen other players it worked for them um, there's no point in going back through all of them but I think he's at a moment now but he, I think he's he signed a new contract Scott Penny signed a new contract um,
2: Scott Penny's a bit younger so I, I kind of and, and also like the age profile of Van der Fleer Van der Fleer could do another five years and make a all street but he might not you know like the wear and, tear you, the and you look road. at the
0: open size they've got Will Connors as well So and so, um, Scott Penny um, they have a lot of players I don't know. It depends what they're feeling themselves. If you believe in your own head that you're going to get into the team...
2: Well, I was going to say, because the other... So, Jimmy O'Brien is also 26, but Jimmy O'Brien is so bloody good at the moment that, like, he's gone... He's, he's stayed in the Leinster environment, got selected for... Ireland he, was star- he was
0: starting in Europe. If if The way I would look at it is, it's fine. Th- nowadays, you're not really dropped. You're rotated. Yeah. But... When the Europe European game. quarterfinal comes around, or European semi-final, or European final, are you starting... Well, Max Deegan
2: was in South Africa and Jimmy O'Brien wasn't on that. Correct. Season, on so, but if I, I was
0: advising him, I think he the, needs to start thinking about it quickly because I think he's good enough to play for Ireland. But playing... Uh, I don't know. You want to start in the big European games. If you're not starting in those games, it's, it's difficult. But then if there's an injury or two in that Irish back row there's a real chance that Max Deegan will be straight in, in. yeah in yeah. the mix there so that's it's it's a difficult one it's not like it was before if you weren't starting your province you were down the grade and there was no way you were going to be picked for it. we saw that with Scott Penny in the Six Nations when yeah. he got called in um, so it's it's a difficult one for him but I think next year you'd want to be he needs to start starting those big European games
4: are you hearing much talk in um in Limerick kill on Dooley 30 points for Tarnia College yesterday to win the AAL for the first time they beat Clontarf 20 points against Cork Con in the semi-final as well this guy this was back supremo. up to
0: Ben Healy at Glenstall wasn't yeah. he um, what a performance from Tarnia that second half um, you could name check a load of their players um, super win great to see the atmosphere in yeah look well. buzzing you know, I always get a warm feeling about the club game and you know where it all started for me with Shannon uh, it's, it was brilliant you know for, for both clubs it's, it's, it's a tough place to get there. it's so competitive mm. the AAL now and that second half yesterday I think Clontarf will be frustrated with their discipline and some mistakes but ter- the turn your side and the back line in particular have mm. punished teams all season yeah. if you're loose if you get a turnover some of the tries they got were sensational 50 points on the board as well, not yeah, bad. Yeah, it was unbelievable.
2: Quinny, good stuff. Thanks a million. That's See you again on Friday. It is uh, 8.
0: See f- you in Herbert Park, Will I Yeah, Saturday morning. Um,
2: oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Drinking our vitamin H. <laughs> well, uh, they want to final travel, right? Big numbers.
0: I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. This being their cup final and everything, what? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're in bonus territory, a day out <laughs> in Dublin, yeah. <laughs> Philip Egan. I'll <laughs> bring it back on Philip. <laughs>
2: oh god if Munster win it's going to be terrible mm. Yeah. alright here's Tommy Rooney and James and who are reflecting on Kerry's easy Munster final win yesterday
7: we're saying to Jack after the game when, when you have a full back like Foley and the athleticism that he has and the speed that he has you can't afford to back yourself I know to play Morley in that role but you can't afford to back your full back you can't trust them to go one on one when you're a forward and you're up against someone with now Sexton's speedy too but if you're up against someone with that pace and power that Foley has. Mm -hmm. How are you meant to make runs off him? Because You wrote at one stage, you don't make straight runs off Jason. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, when when you're looking for the ball off
8: a a kick pass, you know the type of fella you're going to be marking. If you're faster than him, you can make a nice straight run and you know that he's going to have to leave you win the ball because you have him for pace. As you get older and the pace... Starts to go a little bit, and and very often your your marker is might have a yard on you. You have to be a bit cuter with them, um, and even though Keenan Sexton is in the prime of his of his career, Jason Foley is so quick that you have to change up your runs at different times. And so there's there's a couple of ways to do it. Either you get physical with them and try and push him out the way to get the the extra yard, or you put angles in your runs and do maybe. You have to work so hard maybe get five or six different runs in different directions. But if you just go for one run dead straight against a Jason Foley or a Tom Sullivan, um, they're going to beat you up to the ball, realistically. And they're they're going to make you make you remember it as well. You know, it's going to be in the back of your head for the next ball.
2: There's full postmaster reaction with Jack O'Connor, Colin Collins and uh, James O'Donoghue on the OTV Podcast Network for you. Colin Lani is here before we get to Sarah O'Donoghue
7: on the hurling call. Good morning to you. Morning, lads. How's it going? What's going on? Well, busy day Uh, in the Premier League. Three more matches down for decision and uh, important ones too in terms of the relegation battle. Leicester go to Fulham at three o'clock, second from bottom Everton away to Brighton from half five. And then Nottingham Forest and Southampton are both in the bottom three. Meet at 8 o'clock tonight. Celtic sealed the Scottish Premiership title yesterday. They were 2 0 winners over Hearts. And a busy day ahead in the Championship as well. The final round of fixtures. Some of the playoff spots uh, still up for grabs. 12 games in all in the Championship today. All of them underway uh, from 3 o'clock this afternoon. In the golf last night, Wyndham Clark finished strongly to win the Wells Fargo Championship. Four back, nine birdies for him. He finished on 19 under par to finish four strokes clear of Xander Schauffele at Quail Hollow. Seamus Power, decent enough week for him. Seven 7 under par, tie for 18, not so good for Rory McIlroy. He finished on level par in that and the PGA Championship is coming up uh, next week. In motorsport, Max Verstappen extended his lead at the top of the Formula 1 standings to 14 points. That was after winning the Miami Grand Prix and there's racing at Roscommon this evening. First off there at half past four. Carl, good stuff. Thanks for that. It is 8.51.
2: Sarah, good morning to you. How are you? Cork are back or are they?
9: (laughs) Yes, they are. And you know what the big thing is? It was the hunger that we saw on Saturday night and For Cork teams, since maybe 2013, when they last got to, I suppose, an All-Ireland final, that was the hunger and desire that's been lacking in a team Mm. from Cork over the last eight, nine years. And that team, that likability, that personality Saturday night, that's what Cork people will follow. And actually, I think they've probably gained a lot of fans from literally that last 30 minutes. Mm. I was
2: texting with a friend of mine who uh, is a Limerick supporter. (laughs) And he was like, "Ah, oh, Cork, they're always flaky. Every time they get back level, they can see the goal. That's why, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end, it was like, well, actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe things have changed. Because that was the, 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 uh, the big knock on them, that they're a bit soft, that they don't have that character, that, that personality to come back. And look, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but it's really important that like, they can build on this and actually rally around the whole point that against Tipperary, who were really, really dangerous, they didn't go away when they had every excuse to go away.
9: Yeah, and in previous years, I'll go back as far as 2014, Croke Park, court final against Tip, Shane McGrath was captain of Tip that year. That was a flaky Cork team who didn't show up, who sat back, who, who allowed Tip to dominate them. And there's players on the team on Saturday night who were there in 2014. So for those guys to now have that it's pretty impressive for those guys to find that hunger to find that desire so late in their careers
4: Did it feel like Cork were targeting goals because it feels like they had only one goal chance maybe against Waterford and banging in four at the weekend is a, is, a, is a positive sign that they may be going for them
9: I, I thought it was stunning but it, but it's their pace and it's it's their pace they, they put Tip on the back foot let's be honest in the first half Tip were able to read the game really well Brian O'Mara Ronan Maher and in the second half Cork's only option was to literally burn them mm. for pace and and they have it so they used it were they bullied a bit in that first half or was
2: it like the tactics were wrong that it made it look like they were being bullied a bit?
9: I was a bit confused with the change up in midfield with Luke Mead not starting mm. Brian Roach um, had a new midfield partner it just seemed a bit funny when they had gone so well against Waterford and had dominated that area when the likes of Jamie Barron had been doing so well previous. For, for Pat Ryan to mix it up I think it took Cork time to settle
2: they think it must have been somehow horses for courses that it just didn't work out in that first half
9: Yeah and look we talk about Noel McGraw all the time like, his vision his distribution of the ball he has so much experience and I think that was just a little too much it was a bridge too far for Tommy O'Connell and it was a bridge too far for Brian Roach so in that second half you had Luke Mead coming in you had Tim O'Mahony, massive performance for Tim Mahoney and Declan Dalton lads like that kid I met him in Tenerife last Christmas he was in a boot he wasn't in Cork's plans last year with the old management his career looked finished and what a performance he gave on Saturday night
4: It's when there's chaos as well we often talk about the great dubs team that when games get chaotic they keep their heads I'm not comparing Cork's (laughs) hurdles to the dubs but when, when it gets chaotic they seem to be able to keep their heads
9: Well the build up for that last goal there was no panic. It was Dara Fitz. There was Shane Kingston. The build-up and Brian Hayes was on the pitch twenty seconds. And it's not he didn't go towards him to look for the ball. He actually stepped back and allowed the ball to come mm. across and casually put it in. And then the hands go up and the crowd reacts. It was it was stunning. But it was it was the build-up play was just no panic. You're right. It was very Dublinese.
4: A couple of big away games coming up for them now. Next,
9: I think though buoyed by that win, if they or that draw, if they had lost to Tip. Lads,
2: totally different mm. environment, totally different atmosphere, total different. They'd have been of-
9: peeling themselves off the floor. Yeah, yeah. So I think going into this now, they're they're top. You know, the the score difference will be a thing that it will come down to in the end. But I think massive confidence coming out of the game. What about Tip? I'd say they're sickened That they left that game behind. Have to be. Because they controlled it for so much of the first half. They outscored them, what, 12 points to four in, in that spell before half time, And then came back and mm-hmm. came back again and got these goals. Garrod O'Connor's goal, Kion's goal. They did everything right and they couldn't kill Cork off. That was magic.
4: Because even when you're listening to Noel, Noel McGrath after the match, it's like he wasn't aware of what had happened. He seemed a bit <laughs> shell-shocked. He was like, what just happened there?
9: It, you, but it, you couldn't believe that Cork could find two goals. Sixty-eight minutes on the clock, Tipper winning by four. The game's over, mm. and Tip couldn't see it out. Couldn't and like I, I think that Tip defence is phenomenal. So I think they were exposed, really badly exposed.
2: Yeah, I still think Tipperary are going to have a lar- long. Mm. I, I, I didn't see the injury to Jason Ford. What happened? But he'd already four points in the first sixteen minutes. He was. Um, and then his replacement is also great so they do have strength in depth hopefully it's not going to be uh, out for too long Um, I, I think I understand that they'll be disappointed but they also they got a draw and that's an away game for them and away points you win your rest of your home games they're home and hosed
9: yeah, I, I think it's just with the dominance that they showed for the first, say, 40 minutes and the way they capitulated in mm-hmm. the last 10. Because they did. You know, they they had, they had a stranglehold on Cork and they let Cork back in. I think they will be disappointed.
2: Okay, so you think there could be some psychological impact of, like, a bit of doubt in their heads now, even when they are winning games?
9: I, I think they, you can't... Where, last year in Semple Stadium when Cork, you know, beat them for a stick, they... It, it hasn't been that long ago that they were losing games and mm. that they weren't organised. So they've done incredibly well in the league. They were exceptional against Cork for 40 minutes on Saturday night and they allowed Cork back in. So you have to. There's doubt. There is.
4: Were you at the game? I was in Oma. I was going to say, so <laughs> you, you, I'm opening the can of worms here, but the yeah. game wasn't on um, terrestrial television.
9: Well, it suited me because I was able to watch it on Gaggle. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I for for a game of that caliber and there's so few games in the year that have that meat and if you look at the two provincial football finals on Sunday it, it, it there wasn't any entertainment in them i think RT are really really missing a trick here by not looking at those games and and allowing those games <laughs> to be showcasing darling because mm. now we've missed two games we've missed the clare and limerick there's game as well there's more to come there's more to come uh, it's it's such a small window for the game to be showcased and the galway and Kilkenny games over the weekend were?
2: Far be it from me to defend RTE right Um, but it's actually not their responsibility to showcase the game it's the GEA's responsibility Mm. to showcase the game and um, it's in RTE's interest to get as much money as they possibly can out of GEA Go because they've made an investment in it and it's just a business now so what they've got to do is exploit in uh, Donalogue's word the investment to try and get that money back um, so you're but, saying
9: the big games are the pay-per-view games. Exactly. And that game, yeah. Nobody's going to pay to see Sligo Sly- Sly- get beaten by Galway. Is what exactly. You're
2: saying. Exactly. It's, it's bad business. And uh, the GAA and the you know the the president Larry McCarthy said people are happy enough now after COVID to pay for stuff. Maybe they're not. <laughs> I don't know. It, maybe maybe the coronation. Maybe they got that wrong, but. Um,
9: if we're looking at, if we're looking at how many people attended the Cork Games, 36,000 people in Cork on Saturday night. Mm. There was 13,000 people at Galway and Kilkenny a couple of weeks ago. That was on the telly. I, like, if, if you go to the game, then obviously there's a interest in seeing the game and then tenfold interest countrywide. It's not physically possible for everyone to get to the games every weekend. The games, uh, there's, it's nine weeks, it's nine weekends, 11 weekends of, of hurling out of a 52 week year. Get your acting in order, lads.
2: Yeah, I I think that there's a wider conversation to be had about promoting the game. Are you serious about promoting the game are you actually just delighted that there's five or six counties? It's going to be good for those five or six counties and that's all we need to keep it alive and keep charging the big sponsorship deals. And I I feel a little bit like the GEA pays lip service to the whole notion of promoting Hurling a little bit. I would say...
9: I agree. uh, We're
2: kind of scratching away at this, but the fundamental issue is that uh, they're not really trying to grow the game significantly. They're happy with where it is. It's performing grand. Next problem. Like, that's what it feels like.
4: Why would they be happy where it is, though?
2: Well, like, why not? Because, like, Limerick are one of the greatest teams of all time. They had 30,000 in Porky Creeve. They had however many they had at the Gaelic Grounds the, the previous week.
9: What, like, but is it not embarrassing that you nine 9,000 people in Croke Park yeah. to watch Dublin-Wexford? They don't care, though. The Do game. They? The game on Saturday. should night. care.
4: Like, that. That's embarrassing
2: it's not particularly embarrassing like, well the game should have been Parnell Park for starters But well the Dubs wanted it in Croak Park it turned out you listened to yeah. them afterwards like, yeah he said
9: exactly what yeah. we thought he was going to say which was this is a young team they don't have any I suppose skin in the game in Parnell Park it isn't their fortress yeah. so ultimately yeah. they wanted to be in Croak Park but 9,000 people
2: I know uh, one, one point as well there were no Saturday game highlights this week or last week why, why does anybody? Because I, because I do remember there being a massive announcement about there being a new Saturday game show on RTE. That was like one of their big kind of flagship things. Like, oh, we're great. We've got Saturday highlights
9: with Damien Lawler. I mm. thought that was going to be an, a weekly yeah. thing. So, and then
2: they don't have Saturday highlights for the two weeks where the whole country. Like, oh, this guy's pretty good. I must go and check out. Oh, and then be they showed the
9: football before the hurling. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was what it was nearly half as 10 last night before the hurling came on the TV again so it was nearly 20 till 11 a weeknight yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, it, it, it hasn't done anything for the game of hurling in the last week all it, all it might do is people might buy more papers because it's oh. the only place you can read anything mm. <laughs> it's about to get much worse with the Talton Cup well
2: and not just the Talton Cup but the, like the Sam McGuire is actually going to be good there'll be a good game yeah. every week and uh, that's all anybody's going to be talking about as the hurling championship careers towards the Munster final, All-Ireland quarterfinals, semi-finals, mm. and the final, I'm sure, will get uh, uh, its due regard, but it might not. You know, I think um, Hurling is being swamped by football and I don't really think that within the organisation, uh, centrally, they care enough about that. And I, I think that, like, it'll be easy for us to have this kind of conversation about G.A. Go. And for me, it's a bit of a sideshow. And I actually think Hurling need to do more about it and they need to talk about it yeah, themselves. Yeah, I suppose I think, if... They the, haven't got their own house in order in some ways.
9: Well, if you look at the presidents previously, I suppose Nicky Brennan from Kilkenny was a big proponent of hurling, mm. and Larry McCarthy is more football. I would say Jarlath um, yep. Burns, uh, I football. suppose more 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 mm. football. Um, do we need a, a and now Sean Kelly was football, but but he loved his hurling. I think mm. um, so.
4: Hurling president and Gaelic football president. So was your pitching.
9: Absolutely, there we go, (laughs) room for all Not the worst idea (laughs) But there has to be some balance here and there's not right now No,
2: And I I do think that the the tsunami of football games that are coming uh, that are going to be evenly matched all around the country like Markiewicz Park I think will be full for the Kildare visit and rightly so We should talk about Dublin Wexford, like the actual Mm. game itself um, You were critical of Wexford in the league and it's coming home to roost
9: that league game, that first night out against Galway in the league, it, it was a horrible night, but the wide count was outrageous. And I know, I think Niall Corcoran was interviewed at half time and, and he pointed to the fact that they just weren't accurate enough. And then Saturday evening, Croke Park, 19 wides against Dublin. They came back from five points down two or three times and, uh, you know, kept, kept it a game, but. Ultimately, if you're hitting 19 wides, I think they would 51 shots to Dublin's 31 shots. So they were out shooting them and 19 wides racked up. It's just not good enough for an inter-county team when Munster Fair is so frenetic and you have Leinster.
4: just. And they had 51 shots to Dublin's 31, I think. Yeah, so it's not like they weren't shooting. It, like, it was the wides that
9: killed them. 19 wides, lads, on a Saturday evening in Croke Park.
2: Yeah, it feels a little bit like they hoped... And hope isn't a tactic or a strategy. <laughs> uh, it, that they hope that the injured players coming back would just fit in seamlessly and everything would be grand, but it didn't work out for them.
9: No, and look, I, I was in Parky Key for the Wexford and Cork game this year in the league and Lee Chin that day, I came in afterwards and said he was he was magic. Like, mm. right? And I suppose they, they probably suffer in the fact that when he's not playing, the team can't get used to playing with him. Exactly. And Wexford just don't seem to find a rhythm. And I think Roy O'Connor is one of the best forwards in, yeah. in the game as well. So they do have scoring forwards. So to be racking up 19 points and Conor McDonald as well, like I, I'm naming, naming, naming players. And Charlie McGuckian this year has been brilliant as well. I just think if if it's boiling down to accuracy, and we've heard that word a lot in the last couple of weeks, Waterford the same. Yeah, Is there too much tactics? And is it to go back to basics? We talk about Kerry football and we talk about Dunham football and, it's the kicking game. Well, it's the shooting game, lads. Mm. It, it has to be about the hurling. And I think maybe we're too tactical in hurling now. We're losing the basics.
4: They probably did well to get back level a few times, even Wexford, regardless of uh, all the wides. Probably should mention Donal Burke and his, his unbelievable
9: shooting. Yeah, I know that. Look, Donal is... I suppose, a, a once in a generational talent for Dublin GA and they're incredibly lucky to have him. This is a very young Dublin team. And Michael O'Donnell who's done, doing, I think it's a project. It has to be a project. Mm. Well,
2: the progress from drawing with Antrim to this is fairly phenomenal. And that's one of those wins that they get. And it's, a, it's just a sense of like, OK, we can actually build on this now, you know?
9: But that Antrim team is backboned by the Dunloy lads and I've been watching them since November. They're coming to the end of their mm. kind of, uh, I suppose, it's spe- spell. It's six or seven months is what they had in them as a group. The likes of Neil McManus, um, I, I think those lads are tired now. And if you see the result, <laughs> like in against Kilkenny in the league, I think they lost by seven. And against Kilkenny at the weekend, it was a cricket score. Yeah. Kilkenny scored five goals. Um, I think that Dublin team probably got the sting in the tail from Antrim, yeah. you know, and that and that, that's what they had left in them. So. I, I don't know. I think Dublin are better than what they were in against Antrim, and I suppose that they're they're probably on an upward trend now. But it's not going to be enough, lads. Like Galway, Wexford, and one of the teams in Munster is going to lose out, and it's really disappointing because. One of those teams in Munster is not worse than Dublin or Wexford. No, we.
2: I mean, they could fix this with some kind of wildcard playoff weekend where we're like everybody's. You know, it's it's proper old school championship. Sure. Mm. You know, if
9: the, the third place. place, yeah, third and fourth place in both was yeah. given a was given a rattle at it's it. Just the fourth
2: place in Munster versus the third place in Leinster because we accept that on the basis of league blah, 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 blah. We can work yeah. it out some way to, sure. to make it fair. I think
9: the monster lads would be happy with that. Mm. They'd be happy with a rattle as well. So. Oh, sure. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll decide. Yeah, yeah a hurling president and yeah. a fourth place, third place payoff. Perfect. Uh,
2: we fixed it. Well, I was going to say, Sarah's passion for the game and analysis is always class, says, Sean. Hurling should just split from the GAA and not wait for them to grow the game. Hashtag live hurling. Hashtag joking, not joking. Mm. I love that. There's an idea. Saudi Arabia, come on down your uh, yeah, times yeah. now.
9: Well, the lads were in Uganda I remember if Taggy Fogarty's in Uganda a while back right. there's, uh, there's massive promotion going on there there's less going on in Sligo I think actually mm. did Sligo have a good old run against Kerry
4: might have done yeah, yeah. <laughs> decent
9: yeah so I think uh, the weekend had that gold on Saturday night in yeah. Parky and outside of that Hurling had a light touch this weekend
2: mm. it's still 50-50 that one of Tip or Cork won't make it do you know close enough to it
9: uh, on the balance of probabilities now you're looking at Tip getting through having the acumen to to get over the line in the last two games just they're they're just more mature and we said that at the league they're they're a little further along.
2: And so how much of a disaster would it be for this young Cork team not to have an Ireland quarter final to look forward to?
9: I think it would be seen as a, a failure in Cork first off. Like, and yeah. it, that's what the issue is with the structure is that this Cork team doesn't deserve to go out mm. when you look at the competition in Leinster.
2: There's no there's no obviously um is there patience in Cork if that happens
9: on the basis of Saturday night's performance yes because I think it's stacked against Cork and Clare right now um, in, in just in terms of uh, what they have to do to get through um, I think everyone's going to appreciate that one good team is going to go out in other years it wouldn't be justified and people would not be happy with you know giving up games or losing games but you're talking they might lose one game and end up going out
4: but if they beat Clare in two weeks they're through But the problem is that's an Ennis
9: and that's obviously Claire's fortress right now yeah. and uh, a very enjoyable place for them to go. But I, I don't think Cork will be afraid of going to Ennis lads. That's, mm. and, and the older Cork players, the, the guys who were there since 2014, I suppose they, they owe yeah. Claire, they owe Claire one. You know, I know Colum Galvin was on the radio last week and i never forget him pow- powering towards goal in 2013 and breaking them all the Cork PTSD. So yeah, I think that's, it's a lot to, it's a lot for both Cork and Clare to and tip, yeah. I suppose. But we're assuming that Limerick are going to Is that game on Telly?
2: No idea. No, no, really I don't, I don't actually think it that
9: it is. Mm.
2: Right. Uh, Sarah, good stuff. Thanks, lad. Thanks really for joining Thanks, us. Sure. Here's some highlights on the O T V podcast network for you to get your teeth into a massive GA reaction across the course of the weekend. We also have reaction to Bows and Rovers on Friday nights. We've got Brian Kerr after the game yesterday and the football pod live. Two full hours, including an incredible story about how the Kerry footballers dubbed Paddy Andrews Peanut Mm. (laughs) because he'd been roasted so badly by Gooch Cooper in Croke Park. They were like, Marcus says, we didn't know who you were, but we knew who you were afterwards because we were calling you Peanut on the the bus on the way down. (laughs) Like, wow, Jesus, good story, which I may have butchered. You can follow OTB across all our social channels. Subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. After the ads, Anthony Moyles.
1: You're listening to OTB AM. AM.
2: 11 minutes past 9 You're very welcome back To OTBAM this morning We're live with Gillette Labs have got the ultimate shaver Your money back night edition Available now Anthony Moyes is with us Anthony good morning to you Good morning gents The um, Provincial Championships They're crazy, yeah. aren't
5: they We love them We love them They are amazing <laughs> The funny thing is I saw someone saying You know the, the, compared to the excitement of the lad, the, the Leinster semi-finals last week, mm. which was actually true, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it's funny, you know. It's just one of these. You keep thinking, like, so the argument for Connacht is obviously that you would seed it somehow, or even potentially, you know, Munster. Yeah, you know, but so you don't end up with a situation like you had yesterday, and I you don't have you one side stacked.
2: S- if you were seeding. Maybe Cork would have just been slightly ahead of Clare on the basis of how yeah. the yeah. season finished, but like there would have been years where Claire would have been the second seed and
4: Should uh, they have put the two so the two provincial finals this weekend you'd expect on paper will be much, much better? Than this week than the previous previous weekend, so could they have just put well, one to? I don't
5: know. Certainly Ulster will. I, look, I, mean, I I would fear. I I hope Loud can 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 because I think Dublin have potentially come back a bit, and I think that Loud team are 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 better than probably a lot of people mm. would give them credit for. But I still can't see it being you know anything, but you know a six or to eight point beating. But the problem is everyone. Like I don't know if you guys have this feeling, but everyone's just like, let's just get this out of the way. Yeah, provincials. Yeah, yeah. you know that—that's a yeah. sad state of affairs. Like it really is. It's just kind of like, okay, let's let's hurry this up, can we? Please, do it. So why not do that? Like, and then of course we're saying we'll do it earlier in the year, but also you don't want to be playing in complete drudge either. So I don't know. Do you do you condense it even more, or do you just get well? Obviously the thing would be just, just get rid of it, but that's not going to happen. Well, like Ulster will hold on to that championship. Mm -hmm. for as long as they can and the championship is fine you can keep your championship you just can't link it
2: to the All-Ireland Series it should have no connection to what's coming next and like one of the big things about the league and uh, us not being able to have the league as the championship was what about the sponsors Allianz but Allianz are now sponsoring the football championship as well Mm. so they're obviously Mm. you know they're they're now centrally involved you could just run your provincial championships from uh, St. Bridget's Day to St. Patrick's Day you can make it a holy festival if you want, and <laughs> and then that'll take a lot of
5: boxes, Jar. And yeah. then
2: you get into um, and you get into your tiered championship like we have now. And if you're bad enough to be in the second tier, win it and get up to the first tier, and away we go. And that's
5: like how long are we talking about t- tiers and fixtures? Twenty today?
2: years. 20 years. I, I found a running order for off the ball when we went live and it was like um, splitting Dublin. And, <laughs> and, oh, and, plus, uh, ça change. And it was, um, I mean, we should be getting back to splitting Dublin, by the way.
5: But. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, what was there to say about uh, yesterday? Um, Matthew Tierney, do you want to start there? He was good. He was good, yes. You know what? I thought Galway, Galway were okay. Like again, and I seem to kind of be repeating this: that Joyce won't fall into, I think, the trap of thinking, you know, geez, what world leaders? Because if you watch the match, it was actually quite even the first ten, yeah, ten minutes. Goal, we get an unbelievable goal, which was a pass that just was one of those that, like, you literally couldn't have dropped it yeah. in better. You know, it's up. The fullback is actually, he says, oh, I think I have this. And it's like, oh, no, I don't have this. And he slips. And then there's the actual, the six is there. So they have cover. And even the finish was excellent. Mm-hmm. Like, Brilliant. he literally had to put it into the and He only had one spot to go. But it was an unbelievable goal. So he kind of said, actually, Sligo were competing quite well up to that point. The goal, and then the next goal, which was just a complete blow up by Sligo you know they're in control of the ball they're coming out they've slowed it down a little bit they've actually could have moved it on they're a little bit caught in two minds and then they just make a massive error and then bang and that's it game over that's it Yeah, you know so you know in those and that is the difference between Division 4, 3 even 2 up to 1 you know we saw it last week with Down and, and, and Armagh the difference in the nous, the difference in that little smarts of Armagh who realised down are a counter-attacking team, mm. lots of pace. Lads, every time we lose the ball on the forward line, just a little foul. Just a foul. Just get across a guy, pull him back, little stop, put, it, put make sure we stop it dead, and we get back. Just a simple little thing. Stand in front of them. Down didn't get the idea that actually we should restart this quite quick. You know, fellas going down, talking to the referee, you know, kind of rolling around a little bit. And like it wasn't just some of them were quite physical fouls, which they kept consistently getting away. But that's, again, just the smarts of Division 1, 2, 3, and 4. That, is that what it is? Because Eddie McGinley kind of made a similar point in commentary yesterday. He was saying, you know,
4: that the conditioning and the training, and even the skill level between Division 1 and 4 isn't a massive difference like the Goins Sligo players on those three uh, things are massively different but it is a little thing it's nice it's experience it's, it's playing against the top teams week in week out
5: it is and, well look at the top top level you know the skill level is, is, it be better, it, yeah, yeah. It is it is better right and the ability to kick left and right and the ability to hand pass left and right so where an opportunity exists like, I was watching the game yesterday. There's a great clip of, obviously, some of the backdoor cuts that that mm. uh, carried it. You know, they did... Uh, Pawdy did a backdoor cut kick pass, which was pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Like, you know, usually you would do it by a hand pass. Player comes towards you. He doubles up, goes back. But you could actually see him. Like, he, he, he points to David and he says, I'm, I'll stick this into you. And he just drops it in. Like, an unbelievable pass, how deft it was. But... You watch Sligo a couple of times where actually they had the opportunity to do it. But what happens is, as the man turns, another man has come across into a space. Mm-hmm. Now that's a very, very small thing. But again, it's just coached. So, Kerry, no, you do not, you do not go into that. You vacate that space. So that, so yeah. again, they're just the small little things. But again, they're the difference between getting a goal or not. A hand pass that goes on the ground, a hand pass that's not being able to give because it's on a weaker side. So, it is the skill level but absolutely then it's just those mis- miscalculations those errors you know just sometimes just switching off a little mm. bit turning your back on a ball you know kind of even yesterday I don't know if you saw it but uh, there was a kind of a contentious free that Claire thought they got from a kick out I mm. don't know if you saw that one before the yeah. second goal and the Jamie Malone has it and he drops it and just gives it to the Kerry guys and then bang 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 goal yeah you know, rather than running Colum, back. Colin Collins speaking with Tommy afterwards, and you can hear that in the podcast, so he was very sore about
2: that one. Now, he did point out, this sounds like Sarah Grace, but like what, you know, it,
4: it, they yeah. couldn't
2: see any reason for the free to be given. And um, there's an inconsistent, I hate talking about the referees, both because we end up talking about it in League of Ireland, we end up talking about it in Premier League. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's like, yeah. quality of refereeing in every sport, it's very difficult and everybody always thinks it's, Terrible, but
5: it's inconsistent at the moment. Well, there's inconsistent. Like the, the inconsistencies of it. I know hurling. Hurling is a completely different game. Okay, absolutely, because you have a stick in your hand, right? But there's a. I think there's most definitely a, a switch going on in football that that the teams are understanding who the referees are and how they ref the game, and then they know pre. This is a as I said. Top six, top eight. Mm. I'm not saying uh, uh, most teams are doing it, but the top six, top eight are definitely saying we can take advantage of this referee in a certain way. So either A... They don't really like too much physicality on the ball. Um, they will watch, say, inside forwards, you know, on how they're being defended because some referees will actually watch, they'll see. And, you know, some re- referees are very hard on, you know, if you pull or drag inside and they'll give freeze, where some don't, some watch the ball, some run in and actually take up the area of the D. So there are inconsistencies in that. And I think there's inconsistencies, then, Ger, on the level of intensity that is brought to games. Like, even yesterday, like... And I know it's hard, right, because there is a deficiency in all of that, as we said about the skill level and all that stuff. But there's there's some games that the fire is like it's going to be lit and then all of a sudden it's just extinguished because there's so much blowing. Yeah, There's so much blowing. And, and you're kind of going, oh, Jesus, you know. And you get the sense that if, if it's an Ulster Championship match, it's kind of like, oh, ah, yeah, let it go. And you're kind of going, how, he didn't get how did he not get a free there? You know, but then it's kind of like, actually, well, it's Ulster Championship. And, you know, Munster Championship in the hurling, you know, skin and hair flying. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, that's oh, it's a given. Yeah. But it shouldn't be a given. You know, so there has to be. Uh, you know, it, it is a tricky thing. Like I, some people have complained in the last number of years about mead football that has gone soft. And back in the day, like it, how championship matches were, were were refereed in in the county were literally skin and hair flying. Like I mean if you got out of there with your head on your shoulders uh, after scoring five or six points, you you know, you would walk onto the county team and you were ready for anything. You were ready for the dubs on Leicester final day. And now it's kind of like, well, it's being refereed differently and therefore um, and I remember Andy McIntyre a couple of years ago was saying that he actually met the referees. He said, We need to we need to start kinda of increasing the level of, of physical So look, there's other things but it does it doesn't necessarily lend itself to um a mashin a massive of passionate game with lots of intensity um,
2: no and uh, we end up with the the games we had at the weekend and look maybe uh, the, the refereeing is something we'll come back to later in the summer hopefully we won't
5: <laughs> hopefully we don't need to hopefully we don't need to because you have to let games flow yeah. you know there's not I'm not talking about taking the heads off fellas here but like you know there's, there's a lot of players I feel that if I come in to tackle you Shane as soon as I put my hand in fellas are bang down you know, and they're, they're, they're buying those free simulation, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff of, say, and especially if you're set up in a defensive wall. Mm. If I come at speed and I get a pop pass off you and as soon as I hit that run, if I go down, it's 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 in an instant. It's quite difficult for the referee to see, but sometimes, it's like free freeing. Yeah,
2: yeah, or sometimes sometimes stuff. Uh, some referees will let that go and they'll let several of them go. And then you know that you can actually foul at the end and get away with it. So that's right. that's the bit where yeah. I'm,
5: i yeah you know yeah. But look, would it have helped again I think Claire would feel bitterly disappointed because actually Claire were way below par. Yeah. They were way below par. They were like they were like startled ear wigs. You know, I just I just think the, the the enormity of it. I don't know what it was, but but they didn't look at all like the team that they were, and it wasn't even like that. Kerry were massively pressuring them. I take Kerry were saying, listen lads, if you want to play, that's okay, you play score 210 because we'll score 412 and <laughs> you know again the, the turnovers were, were key I think they scored something
2: like um, 2325 off it uh, Colin yeah. Collins was saying that they weren't actually under that much pressure the ball was just being given cheaply to them yeah. and he didn't understand why that was happening having said that right in previous years they would have lost this gone into the qualifiers straight one knockout now at least they are going to be playing in the Ulster Football Championship they've got Monaghan yeah. the, <laughs> Dun- the beaten and, and the beaten finalists in
4: no, the winners of Ulster
2: Oh, the winners of Ulster, yeah. sorry, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. That's
5: a tough. That's a tough group for Claire.
4: tough hey, Claire for them, have to yeah. go to Clones yeah. as well. So,
5: <laughs> as we said, as we said, welcome to the Ulster Championship, Claire. Mm. I'd say yeah. they fancy their chances against Tony goal, I think anyone would at the moment. Do you know, yeah. Well, uh, it's a great reset for them. You know, they can go back. They can really have a good look at it and say, right, bang, 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 error, error, error. You know, this is what came of those errors, and actually, it was all in our control. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there was moments of brilliance from Kerry. And Kerry were trying things. You could notice that yesterday, uh, Jer. I I thought they were trying things. Like, you could see some moves. If you watch Moynihan's goal... um uh, the move, this is the, the one that we're talking about, mm-hmm. he's actually out by, I can't remember who puts the ball across, but someone flashes a long ball across and he takes off. And it's a planned move. Gini gets it, looks up, pops it into him. But you can see it's, it's a kind of a basketball move, but of course accentuated a bit in that they were clearing the zone right in front of him. And he was cu- cutting, slicing right through for another ball to come in over top. You can see Mike Quirk's hands all over this. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can. And they're trying stuff. They're trying stuff in that forward line. I'd say to put it in the locker and go. Yeah, okay, we have that one for later on if yeah. we need to. Um, but look, yeah, Claire will. Claire will have to regroup. Um, but I, you know what? I was impressed by Sligo. Sligo are a team and are a county that again resources player pool. But they are look at the under twenties. What are they doing? They're 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 all pointing in the right direction. And you know, and they we to, yeah. are. Yeah, what goal we are, and okay, but they they'll say to themselves, you, but you know, what if they beat be Kildare at home, they'll probably progress. Oh yeah, to, a, to and have an, oh, another a, game, after
2: almost guaranteed if they beat Kildare at home. Yeah, like that's yeah. a largely a winner takes off from that group. Yeah, in yeah. a way, because you'd yeah. expect the other teams in the group to to cause those Sligo and Kildare difficulties mm. on the basis of the four that we've seen yeah. so far. Yeah, um, and Sligo have them at home, and they've got a great record against them, and obviously the under twenty game will happen, I think, in between. Um, so player yeah. of Donegal at home as well.
4: In the first game. Yeah. 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 And then they go yeah. to Clonus and then they play um the Ulster winner in the final game.
2: Now yeah. maybe Donegal could lose that game and still cause trouble mm. for other teams at Ulster because it's Ulster.
5: Yeah. Yeah, they've had time to kind of you know reset as well, Donegal. You know, it hasn't been last week. Mm. You know, they've they've gone away, they've licked the wounds. I would imagine there's a lot of soul searching going on. My only worry would be Donegal have a habit of hitting the red button and just saying bang imploding yeah, yeah. Right? so could lads be booking tickets to the States and already had conversations about that and saying listen I'm, I'm out of here because this isn't going to get any it's better It's the
4: same with Ronan mate. would you prefer to be a, a squad that has that massive gap of five weeks before the group stages or would you rather be a Clare or Sligo that play right up until...
5: It's a tricky one. I think it all is down to the environment that you're in. Mm. So I think if you're in a Donegal environment with what's going on on top, that's a toxic environment. And what you're doing is you're saying, probably saying to yourself, is this going to get any better? You can stick as many sticky plasters as you want on that. But I would be very worried about Donegal. I, I think if Donegal doesn't arrest the situation, what's happening? you could see them slide big time you know and you could have a, a divergence uh, between Sligo and again it goes back to county boards it goes back to the direction of a county which is of course is is is, is derived from your county board and your ethos and your vision but you look at the teams over the last while who are doing well in that yeah. Down, Derry, Sligo you know teams that are saying well this is where we want to go this is the, this is all the things we're putting in place and it's, and it's it's coming to the fore yeah. and Kildare to be fair to Kildare I know they had a tricky league but You know, like you're you're saying, Kildare's star has massively risen over the last number of weeks. It has to have. Like I mean, within Leinster, you know, they pushed Dublin all the way. They could have won that game. They certainly could have taken something out of it. And the under under twenties,
2: yeah, the under twenties beating Dublin after extra time and then coming back from the dead against Down. These are not things that we as Kildare fans have seen that often in our history, Um, and so. You know, it's coming on the back of an under 20 team last year that reached the final, and it's coming off the back of Jimmy Highland's under 20 team three or four years ago. There you go, three and five,
5: isn't it? It's not bad, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a it's a real sign. And here's the thing if they'd actually beaten Mayo last year when they should have beaten Mayo, then everybody would be saying they've made yeah. a quantum leap forward. And they, you know, they use the league this year to blood some players, and then they run the dubs close, and all of a sudden, but you, you know.
5: Quite yeah. often that quantum leap forward, and it's funny how he relates to things and results, but that quantum leap forward is one game. But it's not one game, if you get me. You're, you're it, well, make it, it could be. It yeah. could be even longer, you know. But it, but it, it 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 is kind of. It shows tip- up. Correct. It just is typified by one particular result, and everyone goes, ah, yeah, you know, there they are. But there's so much work goes on, obviously, to get to that point.
2: Well, with McGinney, um they hammered me in a qualifier, I think. Uh, by scoring four goals, mm. and then they beat Monaghan the next day, or maybe they beat Monaghan first and then me the next day, and then you know I was like, oh, actually, this is it now. This team has a yeah. very clear identity, having yes. crapped out every year in the Leinster Championship, yeah. and um, so yeah, I think that's why we're going to see that some some team is going to be that team that actually comes together and forms and storms their way through to an All Ireland semi final. We don't expect it. Yeah. At this stage, you'd say no. The All Ireland semi final is relatively fixed. We know three of the four, and then it's up to to yeah. show us that they're still there or somebody to, to knock them off. Um, or our man. yeah. Or our man. Yeah. Go away, go away. I, you know... I, You're not penciling uh, them in just yet?
5: There's more strength and depth than last year, you would, it, it, it would appear. They do. But again, I wouldn't necessarily read too much into yesterday as well. Turney's performance was kind of... i tell you what I wanted to look at yesterday and I didn't really see it from them. There was a lot of individu- individualistic type of scores Mm. Tierney kicks some scores where you kind of go whoa you know you just cut in off and he just bang with his left foot the goals you know there wasn't there wasn't massively like Burke got a few nice intricate kind of scores Walsh was obviously ill Um, why they played him I think is is quite a strange decision but anyway and Comer did his usual but there wasn't there wasn't a fluidity in their game I thought Kerry were more fluid yeah. in an attacking sense, you know, and you could see that they were trying different things, as I said before. But yet Galway, I thought it was quite individual, right? Now, not like I mean, they scored whatever they scored, so of course it was some, you know, good play with Kelly coming forward and all that stuff. But it's 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 when the squeeze really comes on that forward, line, yeah. That's my big question, you know. But maybe without Peter Cook and his heads of football, it mightn't have looked as as good yesterday because he was heavily involved in a lot of the good stuff heavily involved and I think he really actually came to the fore yesterday a bit more than than most you know and he's most definitely like Conroy is is being there a long time and I don't think Conroy is now a 70 minute man you know I just I think he's 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 a 35 he's a 40 45 minute man and then you need someone out in that in that engine yeah. room um so yeah he he's 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 put the hand up big time but I'm just not yet convinced Mayo are doing the usual, Well, <laughs> waiting <laughs> in the long garage. <laughs> Mayo have a big, big game in Killarney.
2: Now, it's not that big a game because Mayo could lose two of their games in their round robin and
5: still qualify, you know. Um, but uh, There's going to be some big scalps. I, I think there's going to be one or two big ones in that. Uh, the best thing about the, the round robin is you need to get those big games first. mm the big games that matter you know I know you're saying well like I mean Mayo Kerry will be able to pick but it's still psychologically that's a big, yeah. big if Mayo turned Kerry over well then yeah <sighs> then
4: yeah and you if you, if you can top the, your group and avoid that second place third because in those second place third games there's going to be big teams getting knocked out
2: mm-hmm. I think because
4: mm-hmm. a lot of big teams are going to finish second and those teams in third could be Mullins or Commons or Kildare's
2: in the preliminary quarter, yeah. final, quarter yeah. final
4: well yeah whatever it's called but yeah. th- th- there's going to be some big games so you want to
5: top these groups yeah. Oh, yeah. you want it nice and easy yeah, yeah. straight to the quarter yeah. finals and next week's going to be, you know, I, I think looking forward to that. That's, as I said, a tactical. That's going to be a, there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of X's and O's going on this week in both camps in Arma and uh, Terry.
2: Big game for Arma just to keep showing us that they can be consistent mm. and and can compete at this level. Because uh, if they go away against Derry, then there's a flakiness in them. Like last year, going out on penalties, you know. I think Galway were actually quite superior to them and they were lucky enough to get to the to the yeah. penalties. Um, and this year, obviously, the league didn't show us anything and that was on purpose, it looks like now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're much better than their uh, league performance. But if they were to lose this game and Derry just handle their business, you'd be very concerned about the rest of the season for Armagh. But if they were to beat Derry, or if they were to at least put in a performance for the whole game, you're like, OK, well then... Then they are in the top. They're just on the the fringes of that top four. I did want to just ask your opinion on um, all of the dubs rounding on Glenn Ryan over the last week. It was very interesting, wasn't it? It was like this orchestrated campaign of everybody who has any platform in the national media going, ah, shut up, Glenn. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You're all, all very touchy. Mm. All very touchy, the dubs, weren't they yeah. over the last week? Yeah. It was oh, the they're part. talking about all these things. Like a home advantage is worth three points in every sport yeah. ever. You have home advantage. So however the argument was made... You can you can try and pick it apart by like oh well page fourteen he said this and that's stupid like, yeah, fair enough whatever yeah be the lawyers if you want to be but actually Dublin have home advantage and it's bullshit yeah just admit it it's bullshit oh, pr- we'll go we'll
5: go wherever yeah but it's bullshit he who protests too much there was a little there was a bang at protest too well, much there, was, wasn't there? Yeah. well there it was it was there was a very serious bang <laughs> like because it's it's uh, there's no doubt about it. There is like, there is no doubt about it. You you can dress it up however you want. That, it's, it's, it's very, very obvious for, you know, I mean, I've played in there against them in there plenty of times and there is no doubt about it. And actually, even me, we would have felt that Crow Park was, was pretty familiar to us, Mm. you know, so, you know, we got to play in there a good bit. So, you were kinda of going, actually, yeah, well Dale Dale there it's definitely their home, but it's kinda we're okay here. Like yeah. you know, I mean, did I play in you know, Fisheryl Stadium a lot? A couple of times, were Portuguese, a couple of like so Crow Park was most definitely the second busiest, most frequented or, uh, uh, um venue. venue for me. And I still would have felt actually this is nice. It's familiar. I know the story here. I, as I said, I know where I put my bag. I know. I know all the different spots. I know where I can kick from, not kick from. You can just, you can just understand it a bit better. Well, I think Sligo's neutral game. I'm right in saying is the du- is the Dubs. So can you imagine dragging Sligo
4: over to Crook Park to play Dublin in a neut- quote unquote neutral match? Would you break ten thousand and that? You know, not a chance. Like that has to be in a provincial ground in the middle of Leinster.
2: Notwithstanding the familiarity, familiarity isn't about. Uh, home advantage. Home advantage is about all the other things that come with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, refereeing decisions go your way because you've got more supporters and blah 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 blah. But yeah. they, they was, they, I, there was the touchiness from like uh, from all of them. None of them were like, "Yeah, fair cop." We have had home advantage. It's a bit ridiculous. The organisation sort it of like he shouldn't be saying this. He comes across really bad. I was like, well, screw you.
5: Who are you <laughs> to tell me what to say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. A bit of gaslighting going on from these. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, no it, very it it's, it's there is no must have must have struck a little chord there, Glenn. Keep going. Yeah, yeah he definitely did. See, mentality did.
5: has begun. Yeah, the rematch is going to be interesting. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, it will be. Well, you never know, Mickey Hart. Mickey is lying in wait, and uh, I don't think Desi. Look, we we spoke about this rotation that was going on and most certainly was going on. Um, I'm still not yet convinced. I know we were saying last week, yeah, dubs. Or a couple of weeks ago, yeah, they're bad. Like, I mean, okay, leash. Kildare showed chinks. or, or they, 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 they showed up that there is definitely uh, frailties there. Um, Lack of a the time s- in the squad yet? They still don't have a burner Brogan. They still don't have that. Right? Yeah. Dean has probably dropped down a peg or two. Koslo is still yet to really take the mantle. You know, okay, Con, and they're saying a big ball into him, absolutely. But he's not, he's not a, he's not a burner, Brogan. He's, he's not that type of player that you can sling it in and just know one on one he is going to do what he needs to do to get us that score. Um, so once you crowd out, which Kildare do, and which plenty of teams will do from now on, Vicky Hart will. Correct. Yeah, that rematch is in it's, Newbridge as well, to are Dublin. So that's going to be.
4: Oh, not is it not? No, oh, sorry, Newbridge it's not. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Newbridge yeah. is
5: gone, so I don't know where it'll be. But so it's it's. I think. <laughs> Croker, you know, there's definitely questions <laughs> to be asked. Yeah. And uh, long may they continue to be asked as opposed to being shut down by, yeah. uh, by the uh,
0: <laughs>
5: former Dublin players. But mm. the good thing is, incre- they still have the three-point uh, advantage, of course. Exactly. I mean, that's it's, ju- it's just written down. It's like yeah. all the science shows it. But no, no,
2: no. The music. Oh, excuses. Whatever. Whatever. All right. Fair enough. Very touchy, though, for like, you know, <laughs> you've got the biggest medal collection in the history of the game. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. It, mm. it hasn't been tarnished. Yeah. It, it isn't being tarnished. All right good stuff cheers lads thanks very much for that you. on tomorrow's show Shane and Adrian will bring you more football hurling and rugby Jasmine Baba and what makes Jude Bellingham so special plus plenty more besides right now the best of the Sunday pay-per-view have a marvellous
1: Monday OCB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now